Hello, and welcome to episode 115 of Flicks in the Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the man, the myth, Lieutenant Wild Yeast, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. Hello, friend. On this week's episode, sequels, SAG Awards, Disney check-ins, and other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, 1917. But first, Al, what are we drinking? I like that. Lieutenant Wild Yeast. Lower Lieutenant, sorry, Lieutenant Wild Lieutenant. Yeast. Lieutenant. <laughs> um, that is probably better than any of my titles have been. The, the, the best <laughs> synergy of beer and movie that we've had. Mm. Um, we're drinking Vieille Provision Cezanne Dupont. It is an unfiltered Belgian farmhouse ale. It's bottle conditioned. Brewed by Brasserie Dupont in Torpay, Torps, Belgium. I don't know. I know I have all the other pronunciations right. I don't know how to pronounce that town. Yeah. Nice. It's the product of Belgium. Uh, this is 11.2 fluid ounces because all the beer that Europe sends us is that for some reason. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 6.5% alcohol by volume. 330 mils. Yeah. It's brewed at one of Europe's last farmhouse breweries. Cezanne Dupont is a four-star, world-classic example of the Belgian Cezanne style. Mm. Blonde in color with a big rocky head. I've never heard one described as that before. What? Cezanne <laughs> Dupont is a dry and refreshing... Sorry, is dry and refreshing. Grilled with great with all grilled foods. Hmm. You can grab like a burger. Yeah. Go with this. Cheers. Mmm. That's very good. Yeah, I know you don't always completely love this style. Um, but this was one of the ones that we featured in that um mm. beer pairing dinner that we did over the summer here. Okay. Um and I was like, oh yeah. Uh so I remember uh Dominic, my brother Dominic was uh was asking me for some input on a handful of beers to pair with some of the foods that they were going to do. And I don't remember now what it was that we paired this with, but whatever it was, I was looking up styles of stuff. It's like, oh, Saison's going to go well with that. So I was like, let me find something good. Let me I want to really bring something to the table here. Um, so I was looking around and it was like, this is one was really like well-regarded, like well-known, like it's obviously a very old beer. I was like, okay, let me see if I can find that around here. And thankfully the beer world near me had it. And I was like, I nice. literally got the last one. And I was like, oh, this is fucking perfect. And I was not disappointed at all. This is a delicious. No, this is really delicious Saison. I'm not usually one to tout mouthfeel, but uh, I like this one. There's, it just, I don't know, there's something really nice it's, about it. It's, uh, it's silky smooth. Thankfully, it does not, uh, the mouthfeel isn't rocky, which is good, even if the, uh, the head may be. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I got it. Nice. Yep, you did. <laughs> Uh, I'm tearing up. Oh no, <laughs> that's fine. It's uh, that's fine. it's crystal. We have fun. It's crystal. <laughs> it's uh, crystal clear when there isn't a lot of sediment floating around. I poured it too aggressively. Um, it says it's bottle conditioned and um, from ye olde, well not England but Europe. Um, there's a fair amount of sediment uh, at the bottom, but I don't think this is one of the old old beers like we've had we mentioned in the past. <laughs> no, I don't think I necessarily bought it out of like it's time but uh well if 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 the number on the bottle is any indication uh it was 1315 so back when months when there were more months in the year and then in 39 so maybe a long long time ago in a galaxy far far away i don't know i just like why print anything at all yeah i don't know all i know is this is delightful no, it's really good. I yeah, you're right though. Like this is usually not my cup of tea, um, or glass of beer. <laughs> but it's 
this is actually one of these done right because I I I can appreciate what's going on in the glass. Yeah, it's funny because it's, it's got very all the things you'd want. It's got that little bit of banana to it. It's got a little bit of clove, but not too much. Um, it's just it's got all of that. It's not. It, it does taste like it's got the the wild yeast going on, but it doesn't taste too sour. Some of them can kind of run away with the mm-hmm. sourness. Um, I think that's usually what gets me. Uh, it depends because a lot of the ones that you'll have kind of conventionally in the U.S. don't actually get too sour unless they like are going balls to the walls to that farmhouse style, like full blown open fermentation. Which well, uh, the the thing is, the thing that bothers me usually is when it when it tastes how I could only describe as yeasty. Like it tastes like fresh dough smells, <laughs> and I don't like that. See, I don't mind it as long as it doesn't have a ton of it in it, like from the bottle. You know what I mean? Where because it, it, it's the bottle condition typically, especially for this style. Um, I'm sorry, this is real. Like this is really yeah. Good. No, this is. <laughs> A textbook Ooh. example of a textbook example of this style. Well done. Seriously. Oh, my. Uh, See, that's what it is. You got to find... I'm only going to knock... What's that? I'm just going to knock the bottle art, though. The bottle art is a little rough. I'm going to... Here's a deep cut. Uh, I'm really hoping that you've played this game and you can get this reference. Did you play Mario Golf on the Nintendo 64? Uh, once or twice. Okay. So, I don't know if you remember it at all, but there's a mini golf mode. Okay. And it's it's the it's one through eighteen are the courses like they're shaped like the letters, and this looks like the first course. It was like the same crappy tiled color, like it looks like bad graphics from an old video game. That's what's on this bottle. I right mean, now. it looks like it's trying to be a throwback. Yeah. Um. So it's got a very retro styling to it. The font is not retro enough, though. Well, it's. It's French. The main, it's the, very French. The, They're, like, it's the got, main like, that, font. Like, it's got that, like, European, like, script. <laughs> no, the script is good. The script works. Oh, it's, it's the, the block letters underneath it? Yeah, that's what, that's what takes away. Okay. But, uh, no, this is really, really delightful. Um, See, well, that's, what, that's what you have to do. Normally, I wouldn't go out of my way to buy one. What's of that? This, but normally, I wouldn't go out of my way to buy, like, a Belgian beer, because I don't usually care for them that much, or I usually pick something over. But this one, I would... I would buy this. Like, I, if I saw it, I would, I would pick it's it. It's really good. And that's what you have to do, I think, when you hit, like, one of those things where it's like, eh, I'm not really sure if I like this style. You gotta go back to the source. You have to find, like, the avatar of that style and mm-hmm. try it. And if you don't like it, then then you're probably never really going to. Sure. Sure. Well. Well done. Well, good choice, Al. I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of it, so. I would like some grilled foods, though. Yeah, this... We can get that to happen. This would go great with, like you said, like a really greasy cheeseburger. Like a homemade... Yeah. Like, yeah. you made... Like, with, like, chopped meat, you made, like, your own yeah. cheeseburger, and it's, like, with nice, like, 80%, like, beef. You know what I mean? Ugh. And you put some really Keep good, going. like... Tell me Since more. Since we're doing the Belgian one, <laughs> we gotta put, like, a smelly cheese on there, right? Like, it's gotta be a blue cheese... Okay. Like, blue... Like, like actual blue okay. cheese crumbles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, crumbles. I'm down with that. A uh, little bit of bacon, thick cut bacon, applewood smoked mm. bacon, uh, mm-hmm. some lettuce, tomatoes. If that's your thing, I don't like it, but totally on board if that if you um, want it. Not gonna put that on this one because it's here's the thing. I like lettuce and tomato on a burger. When it's like a greasy kind of sloppy burger, that stuff takes away from it. Oh, okay, interesting. Out. I don't like that, so take that out. Okay, but yeah, no, I'm I'm thinking um, 
Yeah, some nice greasy burger, some some blue cheese crumbles, like legit blue cheese crumbles. Maybe even if you're feeling like fucking wild, you put a piece of cheese over the crumbles too. Yeah, got to keep it in place. Yes. Melt it on there. Exactly. Lock in those crumbles and the bacon. A, you create a cheese bubble over the other cheese. Cheese vacuum. Yes. Um, thick, thick cut bacon cooked just right. Because mm-hmm. if you if you overdo the thick cut bacon, it just like turns into powder. But if you get it mm-hmm. just right, mm-hmm. it's firm but still got some chew to it. Yep. Nice. I'm thinking a nice thick brioche bun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down with that. Uh, the only thing that I want on the side... Are those gorgonzola fries that you had mentioned? <laughs> we we gotta get you. We gotta get you up here to that place. It's like seriously, like seven minutes from my house. We gotta get you there. At, we're just gonna go in. We're gonna eat the fries and we're just gonna leave. We don't need anything. Else. At least once a week, I imagine that meal. Once a week, and I've never had it. Yeah, I don't know. Since you've told me about it, it sounds so good. We had it like two days after Christmas. Oh, so good. nice. Yeah, that'll be a that'll be a live episode. <laughs> You and me in person. So we're going to do an episode. F- oh, Real okay. I thought you meant we we're doing like last week, like an episode from Arthur's. We're going to do an episode from. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just me eating those fries. Yeah. Going, oh, <laughs> and you talking about burgers. <laughs> if you listen to the show and you're not ravenous right now, right now. <laughs> like. Yeah, I, I had a pretty good dinner and already I'm ready for second dinner. Um, All right. Yeah. Just yeah. that specific second dinner. Um, yeah. But anyway, that was good uh, food and, uh, and beer talk. Let's, uh, let's get to some news and notes and nuggets. Let's do it. Uh, the first thing I'm going to throw out there is going to be a quick one. Okay. National Treasure 3 is in the works. Oh, and boy, oh boy, am I excited. <laughs> <laughs> I adore the National Treasure movies. Are you a big fan? It's like a guilty pleasure one. Like I definitely enjoy them, sure. but I don't feel good about it. I don't know why. I mean, you, yeah. like they're cheesy. You know why. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, I think a, I think the first one was pretty legitimately good. The second one I don't think is that good, but it's still fun. It's fun. It's definitely I, I yeah I, I thoroughly enjoy those movies and I uh, and those are like it's the type of movie that back in the channel flipping days, if that came on, it's like it's a it's a stop on movie. I can tell you, you know? it's it's, so, it's one I still stop on. Yeah, it's great. So so entertaining. Just Nicolas Cage doing his Nicolas Cage things. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You you talking about Stop On reminds me of, you know, you don't watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, right? No. What? I'd like to. Oh, you, but... you haven't, but you want to? Yeah. So the new season just started uh, Sunday night. And every once in a while, he comes up with like a term for a thing that you do societally. So like one of the big ones you'll hear people talk about is the stop and chat. You know, where you're walking mm. and you run into someone, you stop and have a chat and then you're... So it's been a while since he's introduced one like that, and in this week's p- premiere, he introduced one, and I was like, you know what? That is totally a move, but I never thought of like a name for it. It's the big goodbye, where <laughs> you're at like a party or a function, and you see someone, and you avoid them the whole night, and then you do a big goodbye, where you like apologize. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't see you tonight. But well, we gotta get mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. This and that. But well, you you know you act like you're making like a special like advance towards the person only right. to then purposely avoid Just them until leave. the next time that you have an opportunity to do a big goodbye to them again. Nice. Um, That's tremendous. <laughs> and you mentioning doing a, a stop on that reminds me of like the, you know, the stop and chat, the big goodbye, uh, the accidental text on purpose. That was another one that he he's mm-hmm. done in the past, you know, where you accidentally text someone with information that is flattering to you or mm-hmm. to them, but you act like you were meaning to send it to someone else. Yep. <laughs> 
That, it seems like a show that would be right up my alley. Yeah, uh, it's there are so many times where you have to just like go, oh, I need to like time out for like ten minutes and stop because this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> but it's so great. It's that so happens funny. to me. Uh, I mean, well, jumping into what we're watching, that happens to me with Veep. I've been watching yes. a lot of Veep, and there's so many times where I, I like pull my shirt up over my head. <laughs> I'm, I'm so uncomfortable with what's happening on screen that I like I, tur- I yeah I just turtle. There's time. There's time turtle. Yes. There's time. <laughs> Veep. Um, Always Sunny. Curb. I binged all of those shows when I was trying to catch up mm-hmm. with them. And each of them, like you get that. I don't. Your move is apparently the turtle. My move is the mm-hmm. clench the teeth and like clench the fists and kind of fist pumping. No, no. I do that. I do that while I'm in the shirt. <laughs> To be clear, <laughs> but that's that's fine. I feel like yeah, Curb seems like a show that I would really enjoy, but would probably have to limit it to two episodes at a time. Yeah, that's how I would do it. Is I would like watch an episode or two, and then I'd have to like pause, like cleanse the palate, and then like come back to yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. Well, anyway, National Treasure Three, uh, a future stop on for sure. I can't. I, I'm I'm excited. I don't know how like there's no I don't think there's any time frame. It's you're, like in you're, production you're or something like that. You're going to get cable just so that you can stop on National <laughs> Treasure 3. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm going to I'm just going to start uh I I just leave a TV on with my digital movies on shuffle. Oh, and when it comes to that one. Exactly. Stop on. No, I'll actually I'll actually sit. Um yeah, very excited about that. Give me something now. All right. How about a new Ta- Give me a new. Taika Waititi courted for Star Wars movie. This was on <laughs> oh, Hollywood. Oh boy. This was actually from last week, but it was after we recorded our last episode. Yeah. Will the Force be strong with this one? Following the recent installments, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, the space fantasy franchise is set to go on pause in terms of theatrical movies, but that does not mean the process is ground to a halt. Taika Waititi, the filmmaker behind the Oscar-nominated Jojo Rabbit, which we did on the show last week, and mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok, has been approached to develop a Star Wars movie, tell, sources tell Hollywood Reporter. It's unclear where things stand in those talks. It's also unclear whether the project is separate from the one being developed by Kevin Feige, with whom he closely worked on Ragnarok, or a separate Star Wars project. Disney and Lucasfilm, hmm. producers of the Star Wars movie, had no comment. The move comes as two Star Wars streams arc in different directions. YTT is coming off great acclaim from the fan community for directing the final episode of season one of The Mandalorian, the live-action series on Disney Plus that became must-watch TV in part thanks to Baby Yoda. He also voiced the popular <laughs> droid character, IG-11. Additionally, Jojo Rabbit, which he wrote and directed, earlier this week earned six Oscar nominations, including for Best Picture. That's awesome. I, yeah, give me that. I don't give it just... That final episode of The Mandalorian was tremendous. I want more of that. I want, I'll, I'll take a feature-length film of that. I love how freaking crazy that guy is. Yeah, he's weird. He's just you you just listen to him in an interview and you like if you know him, you know what you're getting into. And when he just stops talking, you're like, <laughs> that guy. Like that's the only thing. Like he is he, one of a kind. He's just unapologetically himself at all times. And like mm-hmm. that his movies are an extension of that weird personality. Um mm-hmm. but I enjoy it. Um and yeah, I, I like that they I mean maybe they're connecting the dots too early, but a movie written or co written and directed by Taika Waititi produced in some fashion, by Kevin Feige, Dave Filoni, and John Favreau, would freaking crush. Absolutely. And hell, throw in, have him and Ryan Johnson co-write it or whatever, because him and Ryan Johnson obviously get along too. So. Hmm. I I think if you want to sum up Taika Waititi in a single scene, 
it's when the rock falls off of Korg. And he goes, oh, there goes that. That's <laughs> that's him. That's everything you need to know. <laughs> oh, I was gonna, it's I was, completely throwaway, but so brilliant. Oh, I was going to say, I don't know, for whatever reason, for me, what, what coalesced from last week's was, uh, come on, give me a little hile. <laughs> give me a little hile. <laughs> no, it's a little hile. One little hile. Come on. Give, Piss off, ghost. <laughs> Speaking of, of Star Wars and, and Disney and, and all that good stuff, uh, Mulan looks awesome. Have you seen the trailers for this? Yes. All right, Mulan looks great. Uh, Mushu will not be in Mulan. Correct. And I was reading a couple things. People seemed a little bit annoyed by that. I actually think it's a good move. Um, well, I was going to say it seemed like they were going more towards realism, and then I saw a lady turn into a bird. Um, so mm-hmm. maybe it's not as good of a move as I originally thought it was when I was watching that trailer. But I think that it... it leaving Mushu out of it fits more of the tone, though, that they're going... It seems more of a darker... Well, based on the trailer, yeah, it seems like they're not going for Disney slapstick. Um, right, which is what that character is, for yes. sure. So, I think it's a good move to, to not shoehorn him in, because also, it's like... Here's the thing. Uh, Lion King was fine, but, like, the... When the actual animation is the, is the fun part of the movie, and you're gonna go live-action... Forcing that animation in, I feel like will it just won't land right. Yeah, and uh, that's exactly what Mushu is. If you want Mushu, go watch the original. Yeah, uh, which this if you haven't watched it in a long time, I watched it like maybe three years ago again, like rewatched it. It's it's a good it's a great one. I I, I like it was never really like on my list of Disney movies, but it's it's solid. It's very good. The music is tremendous. It's funny too. I made a funny connection. I was talking with my mom the other day as I was finishing up Mr. Robot, and she had kind of asked me like what the show was about. So I kind of periodically checked in and kind of gave her a hey. This is what the last like five episodes were about. You know, in five minutes or less. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so like I was talking about the end of the show. I was like, you know, it really at the end was funny seeing. B.D. Wong, who voiced Captain Shang in Mulan, who was the commander of a woman pretending to be a man soldier, to then go Benedict Wong, or B.D. Wong, rather, sorry, then going to play White Rose in Mr. Robot, who is a man who feels that she is actually a woman in real life. Mm. <laughs> it's like a weird, like, full circle thing that's come around with that. It's like, you know, what are the chances? <laughs> <laughs> and th- what, what the show brought to my attention was he's actually a really good actor <laughs> yeah and i feel like we missed like it's been what 25 years since the first jurassic park we missed out on yeah. him not being more of a lead or i'll say an important player maybe he doesn't have the the strength to carry things mm-hmm. right but you know to be more of a hugo type yeah to be a legit to be like character actress Margot martindale just peppered in <laughs> throughout things um and give his like weight and gravitas to He's a good actor. Um, yeah, he is. And I didn't Solid. know. I didn't. I had no idea he was in this show, and he became one of the main characters in this show. Um, he's really good in it. We'll get nice. more on that later. Uh, I had said a Hugo type, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off from there. Um, oh, I just saw that today. Yeah, Matrix Four news. Uh, this is from Sandy Schaefer Screen Rant. I feel like it wasn't Sandy when I wrote it down. Um, so that might be wrong. I think it, I think it might have been autocorrected, but whatever. Uh, from Screen Rant, Hugo Weaving says he received an offer to reprise his role as Agent Smith for The Matrix 4, but scheduling conflicts prevented him from accepting. 
It's kind of a bummer. It sucks. I, I read was... that story, and it sounds like he legitimately wants to and just literally can't. Yeah. As opposed well, to, he also gave comments that I read today that he was going to reprise his role as Red Skull in Avengers Infinity War slash Endgame, and just told Marvel to fuck off because they were being annoying in negotiations. Yeah, they, uh, they like pulled back on what his contract was. Yeah, they, they were going to like slash his salary, and he's like, we have a contract. I'll come back and play the character. I enjoy playing the character. The, yeah, based but on my contract. I'm yeah. not doing it at a discount for you guys. And you know what? Mm. Good for him, I guess. Um, I, I, Maybe. And here's the only reason I say maybe is because it's like, if it was to be paid more, it's they were supposed to be increasing payments, from what I understand, from movie to movie. Yeah. But for having, I don't know, three minutes of screen time, I don't think that that's sure, but you if know that, what, I, if that's what it comes down sure, to. Sure, but I, I'll also say that I've heard over the years that 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 character was supposed to have a bigger role in the movies. Okay, well, if that was the, if that were the case, then uh, yeah, that that would have been cool. But I'm saying if the if it's really just like this was the role they wanted the character to play, and it was supposed to be more money than what he got paid for an entire movie that he was in. Then I think that that's silly. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, when I say the, more of a role, I don't even know about in this iteration of um, Infinity War Endgame. Um, originally, because remember Captain America, the 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 was it first Avenger um, mm-hmm. that came out ten years ago. Yeah. There was after that. I don't know if it was that he was going to be in the second Captain America, or if he was going to be in one of the other ones, or if it was the, like the first Avengers movie. Um, he was supposed to come back with a pretty sizable role in one of those movies. Yeah, it, it seemed from what the the thing that I had read, it looked like it was Avengers was where he was. Yeah, to come I thought back, that was I, the case. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's uh, it would it, it almost seems worth it. I mean, I don't know how this stuff works. Obviously, we don't make movies, but to do a Matrix Four, bring back the cast, and not bring him back, I don't know. That just seems that I, I feel like. He's he is as much the Matrix as Neo. Oh, of course, like, I agree. You know, and that's kind of a, like I, I feel like almost like it would be worth it to put the movie on hold <laughs> to a time where he could be part. Yeah, of it. I don't see what the rush is like. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't see what the rush is for this movie. If you're gonna, if we're all hesitant, those of us who love the Matrix are hesitant enough about them coming back and doing this. Right. So if you're gonna do it, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and you're doing it right. And right. if and you I, plan I, to bring him back, don't give it short shrift to not use him. That's that's probably the thing that's bothering me the most about it is that like if he was approached and he can't do it, then that means that whatever the story is involves him. Yes. So if they're going to have to change it based on that or if they're going to you can't you can't substitute him. Probably not. Uh well, actually, I guess you probably could. Because if anyone was going to be able to be replaced, it's Agent Smith because he can make himself. It's the virus. I yeah, but look however he wants. You know what I mean. And still, it'll though, be a different it's not... take on the character. Now, what that means Ugh. is you have to absolutely fucking nail whoever you're going to hire to play the new yeah. Smith. Whoa, phrasing. Um, the... I stand by. <laughs> stand by wholeheartedly. God. Uh. <laughs> anyway, that's that was kind of a bummer to me because as much as I'm like, uh, when I heard the Matrix Four news, I was like, all right. Uh, hearing that makes me go, oh, <laughs> you know, cause it's like if you're 
if if I was gonna be excited about it, it was gonna be to 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 rejoin my friends from the previous movies that I loved so much. Yeah. And uh, well, th- that's a that's a huge miss. Well, we have a short list of of people, right? Give us more Defoe. Give us more Weaving. Now give us more Wong. Mm. We have these actors, actresses that we fall in love with on the show that we feel like we don't get enough of. Hugo Weaving is one we've mentioned since our very first episode um, in um, Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, We have said how much we want more Hugo Weaving. So getting less Hugo Weaving, specifically in the role that we love him in, um, is is not good Mm. news. Yeah, no. Ugh. Anyway. We'll see what happens there. I mean, I don't. I honestly, I don't have a lot of faith. I'm not like completely sold that the movie is actually going to happen. I know that they say it's in the works and like it's happening, but so is Avatar. <laughs> so I mean, like, come on. Well, we know uh, for a fact those are those are coming. We've seen stills. We've seen sure. yeah, facts. Right, a trailer is coming soon. Is that that's coming out at the end of this year, right? Is it I really? Think so? <laughs> that's insane to me. I think so. <laughs> I'm going to have to rewatch Avatar, aren't I? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's been a while since I've seen the whole thing. That's that's usually a stop on for me. Here's here's the <laughs> uh, here's the thing with Avatar. This is a, the little history of of physical media. Obviously, uh, I I liked Avatar. I know people had a lot of problems with it. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I whatever. We're not going to get deep into that. Maybe we'll do an episode on it one day. But uh, Avatar was a movie that I believe I had on DVD. Um, if I look deep enough, it's probably in there. Uh, I then probably watched it one or two times, having owned the DVD. Then when Blu-rays became a thing, bought the Blu-ray because, I mean, come on. Like, what kind of a movie? Like, this is like the perfect movie for that a Blu-ray. That was one of the first Blu-rays I bought, yeah. Uh, I bought the Blu-ray. It's very possible. It's, it's very likely that I never actually watched the Blu-ray. I bought it with the intent to watch it. Um, you know what's funny about that? And now I want the fork. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny about that? Today I was thinking. I was thinking back to our conversation last week because I saw that Spectre mm. was available. And I'm going to watch it hopefully this week. Because we were talking about last week how I was like, okay, like we're kind of excited for No Time to Die. Um, I barely yeah. remember watching Quantum. I watched it while packing. Um, Right, <laughs> and you were turning around. And you said, "I think I own this," and I turned around. And you said, "I do have it over there." And I was thinking about it today. How many of those movies on your wall have you never actually popped into a player and watched? Three, only three. Three that I am certain of. Okay. Because uh, I actually, I, I, what I scanned. I took a quick scan the other day. Um, <laughs> two of them. It was very clear that I never popped in on account of. Still shrink wrap. That's what I was gonna say. Was it still? Uh, was it the still? other one was the other one was Avatar. That I I I just know because I have this relationship with that movie of like I bought it specifically because I was like it, this happened to me with the Dark Knight also where I was like waiting like I when I got the DVD or whatever it was, it was I when I got the Blu-ray I wanted to wait until like I had a really nice TV to watch it on and I just ended up waiting and waiting and waiting and then 4K discs were a thing. But it wasn't out on that yet. I eventually watched it on the Blu-ray. Like I, I did, I did go into it. Then the 4K one, I got the, I got the disc, and I was like, I'm waiting for like the perfect moment to watch it. Like I want to sit down and I want to just like be in it. And that that moment's not gonna come. Like where like it's the perfect situation. I get that all the time. So I have with to just do and it. TV shows, and it'll be like six it's, months, and I still haven't watched the thing, and it's like son of a bitch. Exactly. I do it with video games too sometimes, and I just like it. Just in, I, I have the thing. 
I could just be enjoying the thing instead of trying to make this perfect you get, scenario. You get psyched up about it. Yeah. <laughs> you but, know uh, what? I don't know what just made me think of, but that, that whole phenomenon just reminded me of... Uh, <laughs> I was talking about 40-year-old virgin with someone the other day, and I was thinking of what's his name? You put the, putty, the pussy on the pedestal. <laughs> and that's what you're doing. You put in the movie or game or TV, you're putting it on a pedestal. Like It's got to be perfect. The whole experience has to be ready. It has to be right. Everybody keeps yeah. saying that. What does that mean? <laughs> That's a great movie. That's a movie that I have seen way too many times. It's a movie that I've seen a lot of times, not any times recently, because the only time I ever mm. like think it's on like it'll be on like FX. It's like you guys cut out all of the best scenes in that movie. I'm not gonna watch it in those circumstances. Yeah. I'm not getting anything. Best out of scene it. in that movie is no, no, no. We just planted the seed. Now what do we do? Wait for the seed to grow into a plant, and then what? Then we fuck the plant. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great. It's so that ridiculous. One's great, but uh, I, my favorite scene is when he's getting waxed. Yeah, which they, I mean, they cut classic. out of all of it, basically, on FX. <laughs> which, yeah. you know, they have to. <laughs> he screams... <laughs> oh, nipple That's fuck. the thing. He screams nipple fuck at the top of his lungs, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a, that movie is ridiculous. He's... he's Steve Carell was a treasure. Yes. Much like Gary Cole. Yeah. <laughs> Much like Gary Cole. My God, is Kent a tremendous right? character. He really is. Ben is my favorite, but... uh. Kent is a close second. See, you, where are you? You're in the third, fourth season. Uh, fourth season. And you didn't hit. You didn't see the congressional meeting about the Jonad file yet. I don't think uh, so. You would know. They go before Congress. It's Dan, um, Amy, and Jonah, and it turns into this whole thing where they're like conflicting agendas and this and that. But it all comes down to they're trying to cover up the Jonad file as part of a small <laughs> piece of a much bigger fiasco that's led them to these congressional hearings and okay. uh i think dan says something along the lines of yes we respect and like working with jonah or whatever and the guy who's leading the the, <laughs> the hearing is like no no, no uh there's uh testimony here from jonah ryan saying just the exact opposite of that um we're gonna talk to it's like exhibit a or whatever the uh jonad file do you know what this is the jonad file <laughs> like no i can't recall he goes, and they start reading all, he goes, it's a collection of nicknames by you and other staffers that apparently you encourage everyone to keep whenever they came up with a good nickname for him. And they start re- reading them and like, Jonah's like, do we have to read them? And another congressman's like, do we really have to read them? He goes, yes. He just said that he respected and liked his coworker. And I believe this is strong and compelling evidence otherwise. <laughs> and they read off like a list of like 30 horrendous nicknames about him. And that was one of the ones I send you, the cloud botherer. <laughs> I, I like that one. That's that's fantastic. I will say, I for those of you who have not watched Veep, it's 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 worth it's worth it. I'm not like when I sit down, I enjoy it, and I end up watching like three or four episodes. But I think like I'm not like itching to go put it on right now. But I, it is very good. There's a lot of clever clever it, writing in it, which I appreciate. it's so much. And that's why I said like if you like that, you like Death of Stalin and vice versa. Like yeah, th- there's a <laughs> there's a I'm up to this tremendous situation. Where Patton Oswalt is sexually assaulting Jonah, or yeah, like uh, it's and it's just it's it shouldn't be like it's not something that you should say and then laugh at, but the way that they execute this whole situation is part of it is just the visual because he's like, yeah, a foot and a half taller than Patton Oswalt, right? And he just walks in and grabs him by the junk. Oh my god. It's and you're so, right, you it, shouldn't you know be laughing it about it's, it. I think it's so absurd 
Yeah, like everything that's happening, like the the issues that are happening are usually like gross, and the comments that people make are gross. And like he has some of the like worst lines. The only vulgar. one who has worse lines is that uh, senator or congressman. I can't. I always forget his name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly who I'm talking about. I know exactly who, who you're talking to, about. <laughs> he talks to his uh, his uh, his aide, Will. Robbie. Yeah, I, Robbie. I keep calling him Robbie because his name is Robbie and something well, else. Well, he kind of <laughs> plays like an even more depressed version of the same character. Yeah. The things that he says to and about him and his wife are the worst, most reprehensible things I've ever It's heard. horrible. And I think every time I've had a spit take, even when I'm not actually drinking something, somehow I find the ability to like shoot water out of my face. <laughs> they He says things that make me laugh and immediately feel horrible about myself. Oh, you feel like you need I'm a shower when he's, when he's... Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's it's so dirty. Oh my god! But, all right, give me give me well, something else. Say what that, do you got? Just Let's move one on. final thought on all of that. I started yeah. his uh, Armando Iannucci's new show started also before Curb on Sunday. It was uh, Avenue Five, that show with Hugh Laurie, who's obviously on. Um, oh yeah, Veep uh, on and off a lot. And um, there's another. Oh, the other guy, the guy we were talking about, who you like from Silicon Valley, who I said, oh, he's in the league. He played the worst guy ever Ooh. in the league. It looks like he's going to be one of the leads on this show as well. He plays like a like a okay. customer service rep who does not have any ability to service the customers. Also, uh, if we're, if I'm thinking about the same guy, also dates Amy. Yes, at, yes. At point and okay, cool. Want to make sure I'm on the. Yeah, he was much less hateable in that show, but still kind of annoying. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, okay, Always. let's get let's get something let's get something fun and positive. Um, so, are you aware that Subaru fucks? I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you aware? <laughs> no, I heard you. That Subaru fucks. <laughs> no. Oh, so you missed this whole phenomenon over the last couple of weeks online. Now, this is fun. Um, I'm going to read you something. This is from a story on Jalopnik titled, Subaru of America is being super lame right now about the Subaru fucks. Last week, the world was made a better place when the Subaru Forester Ultimate Customized Kit Special Edition... Also known as the Subaru Fox, <laughs> was unveiled at the 2020 Singapore Auto, Auto Show. <laughs> That's jokes. <laughs> that is fantastic. Look, while I'm reading this, can you look up Subaru Fox on your uh, computer because you're uh, gonna see it. Sure. Like, how did no one see this? Um, <laughs> jokes were made, laughs were had. It was a good time. And then I woke up today to see Subaru of America had done some heavy apologizing over the weekend. Subaru of America apparently took it upon itself to send out an apology note to its dealerships on Friday, reports The Drive. The outlet obtained the note from an anonymous tipster, but we've copied it below. Dear retailer, yesterday afternoon we learned about an unfortunate situation related to the name given to a special edition Forester by an independent distributor in Singapore. We want to make sure that you Mm -hmm. and all your customers know that Subaru of America and Subaru Corporation had nothing to do with this. We apologize for any negative feedback this may have caused. SBR has had the name removed from the car at the Singapore Auto Show. We work very hard to build a strong brand image for this company, and the naming of this vehicle in no way reflects the values and standards we hold true. Furthermore, we will always do our best to protect our brand's integrity. This vehicle was created by the distributor for the Singapore Motor Show, and it goes without saying that this car will not be available in the United States market. Who? Okay. No, this is is ridiculous. I'm looking at the The letters are highlighted! It's insane. They're capitalized, bolded, and highlighted. Yeah. So the person that did this, do you think they're having like a crisis and they're like on their way out? No. What happened is Singapore Motors 
did this, and they don't have native English speakers there, obviously. Uh-huh. And so they didn't realize yeah. what they're doing. It feels like, I don't know, you... I feel like somebody knew. Someone did know. You know what? Somebody. Someone knew as soon as they walked out on the display, because if you look around, there's a video of a dude frantically <laughs> scraping the letters off of the floor next to the thing. The person, the person printing... <laughs> The person printing the thing is printing it and going, ha, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a picture of the Subaru Forester Ultimate Customized Kit Special Edition. And on the floor is the letters highlighted in green and bolded out in black and capitalized while everything else is regular case. It clearly says fucks in giant but- letters. It also, cl- this is why I'm saying that somebody knew that they- what they were doing. Because edition... Does not have a capital E. And it's not on the same line. And is not exactly. There was another plate of glass with like frosted, like etching letters, like laser, like engraved letters, where F U C K S. Those words weren't in a row. It still clearly reads fucks. But when you're in a foreign country, if you don't have native English speakers in charge of this, (sighs) these sorts of things slip through the cracks. And then when someone finally sees it, they go, "Oh fuck, the Subaru fucks." (laughs) Cannot be something we display. And there's a video, it's like an eight-second video, of a guy furiously with, like, a chisel scraping the words up off the floor so that no one sees the Super Bowl. so good. That's so tremendous. This is amazing. This is just like, oh, my God. Miscommunication is just beautiful. This is this is wonderful. This is so innocent. So I'll tell you... Oh, it is not. Uh, I will t- I'll tell you how I experienced this. <laughs> like, a week and a half ago, or maybe two weeks ago now... I was online and I saw jokes on Twitter about Subaru's fucks. And I was like, what does that even mean? So uh-huh. I looked it up online and I saw the picture and I almost dropped my phone. And then <laughs> I forgot about this joyous day for about a week. Uh-huh. And then I saw the official, I thought, I was wondering if it was a joke. I saw that it said something about Singapore. I was like, wow, that's funny. Completely forgot about it. Like a week later, I saw the, I saw the statement online from Subaru. And I was like, oh my God, it was a real thing. And... So I was at the gym. I was I showed it to a couple of my friends They because they hadn't seen anything about this. We're all having a good laugh about it. I come home. I show the picture to my sister. And my parents had company over. And my sister's looking at the picture. And I was like, she's like, Subaru, Forrester, Ultimate. And I was like, shh. She's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I just good. to brighten everyone's day with this in case you missed it. Sir, just look it up. It's just a great thing. It's it, you know what it is. It's fun to Google because you're like, how bad can it be? And it's so bad. It's uh, I love it. I'm thinking about skewing the whole thing that we do for like the t- the the image on our on our episodes with the movie and, and beer just putting, and just putting super fucks up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that would totally be worth it. Here's a nugget. Uh, IGN's Max Scoville tweeted something out the other day that really just, uh, I was, I, I, for whatever, there's sometimes I'll find something to be really funny knowing that it's not that funny and I'm laughing out loud because it's for whatever reason, it just, you know, something, something just tickles you. Yes. Like, so, okay. So he, <laughs> this was his tweet. PSA, True Lies, which has been unavailable for streaming, purchase, or rental, and is inexplicably not on Blu-ray, is on HBO now. Sorry, I just really like True Lies and have been trying to rewatch it for, like, two years. He rides a horse on an escalator and fires <laughs> and flies a Harrier jet. And that is, first off, that should be the IMDb synopsis of that movie. One. Yeah, yeah. Two. <laughs> 
Uh, it dawned on me after reading that how long it's been since I've actually seen True Lies, and that is absolutely going to be added to the short list of movies that we pull from when we don't have a new release to go to. Let me just tell you, that is beyond a stop-on for me. That's a drop everything you're doing and watch on yeah. right now. That's a give me the goddamn page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the movie so much. <laughs> it's pathetic. Um... Moving on, what do you give me something else? <laughs> okay. Twitter account for Peacock TV. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I know Brian really enjoyed this. I, don't, I can't remember if you, if you really had any uh, thoughts on this. So, Peacock is a thing. It's going to happen. It's the NBC streaming service. I don't know why everyone needs a streaming service. I especially don't know why HBO needs a streaming service. I don't even want to It's start. offensive to me. <laughs> You have HBO, HBO, Go, HBO Now. Max. Why do you need a fucking standalone service? You already are a standalone service. Cuz. It's just bullshit. Put the shit on your HBO app. <laughs> People already buy it uh-huh. as its own service. Who have no cable or right. anything, buy HBO right. Now. Why do we need yes. HBO Max as well? Right. Raise all of our fucking rates $1 a month. Mm-hmm. Ugh, whatever. Yeah. NBC yeah. has a streaming service called Peacock. Their Twitter account is up and running, even though the account, like, the, the streaming service isn't actually available yet, right? It's soon? I don't know. I, it's been advertised for so long, I don't even, I... I think it's soon, knows? but not currently available, but... Keep going. I'll see if I can find a release They date. follow, their Twitter account exists, they follow 98 accounts, and every one of those accounts is either named with some sort of bird, or is a sports team with a mascot of a bird. They follow Jason Siegel. Tony Hawk, oh my the God. Audubon Society, Allison Peacock, I don't know who that is. She's the CEO of Chartered College of Teaching Charity, Counting Crows, Penguin Books, Big Bird from Sesame Street, <laughs> the, Phil- the Philadelphia Rip. Flyers, the Cornell Lab, which is at Cornell Birds, oh Brad God. Peacock, a relief pitcher for the Houston Astro- Astros, Dove. <laughs> okay. All right. Chris Anderson, the basketball player who's known as Birdman. All of... <laughs> oh, my God. So every single person they follow. Yes, every one of them. Fits into this. That's tremendous. Uh, it releases on July 15th. Yeah, I knew it was sometime in the coming months, but I wasn't 100%. I don't think I've ever I, I've known a streaming service to be teased for this. No, long. I don't either. Um, especially to have, like, a Twitter account for seven months before it exists. What are they going to have? What is, like... What do they have exclusive? I'm assuming so. Everything NBC will be on there. Let's see, Look. hundreds of movies. Yeah. Cool. So, well, so anything Peacock Originals, Saved by the What's Bell. That? Peacock Originals, Saved by the Bell. Oh, okay. Well, I was gonna say any of those movies that are uh, was NBC is owned by Viacom. Is that it? Uh, or no, Comcast. Comcast. That's. Uh, maybe that's maybe they're all part of the same branch. I don't know. But any of the like the Comcast, NBC, I think Viacom, maybe or Paramount, something like that. There's that whole branch of movies that's like not owned by Disney, and which owns everything yeah. else now, and Time Warner, which owns the rest of it. Um, there's basically three places that make movies now, and then A24. Right. <laughs> uh, how much is Peacock going to be? I don't know. Too much. Whatever it is is too much. They follow Robin Wright. Peacock. It's free as a bird. I can't they follow it. the Dixie Chicks. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Just 
Don't. I see you. You have one. I know you have one to go with next. You bite your tongue. Cheryl Crow. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> All right. That's the last one. <laughs> oh, my God. Walter Mouth. <laughs> oh, my God. That's ridiculous. Here's a stupid thing. There's a new Star Wars Rise of Skywalker TV spot. Have you seen it? Why? I don't know, but it shows Ben standing side by side with Ray, clearly standing off against something, and I'm like, that's the end of the movie? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, you know, that's, um, I mean, they've kind of been leaning that way for a long It's weird that they do that, right? Like, the trailer, well after the movie comes out, where it's like, they're just blatantly spoiling stuff, like, mm, if you haven't seen it yet, if you- someone's gonna say it, and you're gonna hear it, Right. You might as well see it here. If you haven't seen it yet, here's what happens. We'll throw you a bone. Like, what? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Also, he disappears. <laughs> uh, stupid. <laughs> Give me something. Stupid. Uh, I guess you're probably better to talk Perfect. about this, and I'll, I'll just tee it off to you. Let's talk about all those game delays. <laughs> oh, my God. Everything? Yeah, well, because, like, yeah. last week, I... This happens every six months, I last feel Last like. week, I put on here, like, cause I, as soon as I start seeing things that I know should be on the news thing, I create my thing, my notepad, to start putting... So I put on Cyberpunk delayed, and then, like, eight other games got delayed after that. <laughs> yeah. And Cyberpunk's the only one that I care a little bit about, um, so I'm mm-hmm. guessing you care more about some of the other ones. I know Brian cares a lot more about um, some of the other ones. I was really, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to Cyberpunk. It looks really cool. Yeah. Uh, it's, I'm just more curious of just like, I mean, I guess there's 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 probably a piece to this that, um, like the corporate side of the house thinks is important. That, th- from what I can tell from consumers that I listen to and friends don't actually care. Just don't tell me a date if you don't know. I don't care. Like I don't like. They definitely bother me. They definitely announced some of these dates too early. Like sure, but like like there's a the well known one was recently The Last of Us Two. I think they like announced it and then a week later pushed it off like three months or whatever it was. At least three months, I think. Because and it, it's right, because everybody's just like that. that like that why why day. even say it? I don't know. I saw something about that the other day. I was like, fuck, I forgot that that still isn't out yet. Because I remember like. Two years ago, you telling me how excited you were for that game. Oh my out. god, it's so good! When you saw, yeah, like, I'm, the I'm first really excited teaser for that. that was released, I was like, "Oh, cool! I, I can't wait to hear if you enjoy that game." They could have made a whole other game by now since right. the announcement. Well, you know, I don't know how I, I, I'm a I'm a software engineer, and I don't know how it relates. What I do relates to how video games are made. I'm sure there's some corollary, but like the long delay makes a lot of sense like if there's clearly like they're not like i feel like it, it seems like a lot of this stuff dates are given out without the team's consent that's my guess for the long yes delays. well there's, there's a lot what? of different things going on because when the long delay happens and the game is like a year or so out it's like okay fine totally get it you guys ran into a big problem you didn't expect you're gonna fix it sure. that sounds like enough time to do it or when it's oh guys that's gonna take a year longer than we expected but the game wasn't is like two or three years out on the horizon, right? It's like one of those ones that you know has yep. long development. They announced it, and then it's like we expect it to be ready in three years. And then as you're getting to that, you've passed two years of the three years, and it's like, oh, we should start seeing a trailer or something soon. And then it's like, guys, we need to put it one year back. It's like, okay, yeah, you guys made a big ambitious game. It's hard to do. Totally get it. When you're coming down to the game is supposed to be out in three months, and you're pushing it three or more months. 
you guys did something really wrong along this process. Uh, it, the marketing team. Someone. I don't know. It's probably the marketing team. Yeah. But it, not always. No, I, I'm just saying. Like, I don't. Well, all right. So some marketing or exec, because it seems like somebody that's out of touch or out of communication with the people that are actually making the yeah, game. Yeah, and that's a common refrain we've heard for the last, like, 10 years. And it's just like, I just, like, but like I said, like, I I was, I would have been totally fine if you said, like, 2021 to 22 like like and like and like gave me like that kind of a window and then kept narrowing that window yes. down cool that's yeah, awesome yeah it's, it's gonna coming. come out 2021 tell me... and then it's okay it's gonna be quarter two of 2021 and then it's tentatively sure. may and then it's may 20th or whatever right like as we as the dates like we don't need to know the game's coming out on may 20th five years out right right you know one of the ones that's more interesting to me is uh i think uh, the final fantasy 7 release was i think it was pushed off like i think it's only like a week or a couple of weeks or something like that which that one makes me that makes me scratch my head of like they don't i don't understand why why any game needs to be married to dates like a movie does i understand why movies are even if i think that's too much sometimes but hell there's tv shows that sometimes they'll devs they're like oh it's coming out sometime in april april's three months away like you would think you'd get a date you know i mean hell it's it's extremely exclusive so even if it was a week you know the week of april 20th or something you know what i mean well, they try to strategically plan around other games that are coming out. That's one piece. Of I it. guess there's so. Also, but like even that's there's less probably like quarterlies that are affected by the sale of the game that they're trying to manipulate financial. Sure. All right, like there's 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 very there's very real business reasons for a specific release date that I don't one I don't care about. And, no, <laughs> and like you, you I, I understand, understand like investors and, and stuff like that might, but sure, exactly. I I get why they do, but don't. The, by 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 setting a date and then pushing it, that's really like they are. I don't know. I feel like it's a it, it, it's a slap in the face of the folks making the actual game. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's just it's just really it, it's just messed up. Um, I've I've worked in in places where a delivery date was given out without consent of the engineering team, which doesn't make any sense but it does and then, happen and then they and start to blame the development team for why it's 100 percent they blame them and and the only reason i know that is because in in the past few years like i follow a handful of of developers on twitter from games that i've really enjoyed mm-hmm. more specifically mostly specifically from bioware but i've followed others as well um you see this all the time even if it's not them complaining they're boosting other developers on other games who they know in the industry's complaints and it's like Guys, how does every studio get this wrong? Every one of them. Mm-hmm. Like where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. Uh, that being said, really still looking forward to a lot of these games. I don't I don't think that it's going to reflect poorly on the game. It's just a it. The messaging is just bad. Yeah. And uh, I'm fortunate enough to I feel like and so are you and a lot of folks that are like. Uh, that are actually like reading into this and feeling this way, like are considering the facts, and and I hope that they're not, you know, judging too harshly on the development of these things. Like, well, you know, you know, it's that just it shitty you. messaging that's annoying. You know that this sort of thing does affect consumers, right? This sort of messaging is absolutely a part of why solo tanked. It's not the whole piece. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a part. No, of it. you are absolutely. inducing panic and concern in your consumers and so they don't want to shell out for this and a movie is only 10 bucks 12 bucks 15 bucks whatever right a, a game is 60 bucks you know what i mean it's a much more yeah. substantial investment 
So if you induce panic in these sorts of situations, you're hurting your bottom line more than if you miss the date or whatever. If yeah, you get it right it's... to begin with, if you even if you have to put it out at the same time as a game you wanted to avoid originally, you will do better if everyone feels like you're on top of your shit as opposed to acting like you're bailing out water of a sinking ship all the time. Mm-hmm. No, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. I'm seeing if I could pull up a list because it'd be interesting to, to, to go through. Um, Kotaku has a list, just a list of the games. The list is long. Yeah, there's been a whole bunch, and they're all from all different studios, right? Like, it's not like it's all from, like, if they were all from EA. Like, CD Projekt Red is its entirely different thing. There's, um, what's it called? Who, who make is it, uh, Ubisoft who makes Final Fantasy? Uh, no. Oh, Square, Square that's right. Square, Square Enix? Square yeah. Enix, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's all completely yeah, no, different it's, developers. It's, it's, no, no, it's, it's all over, yeah. And then there's like, um, well, this, this list has, what do we have on here? Uh, Skull and Bones, Animal Crossing, Doom Eternal, Last of Us Part Two, Watch Dogs Legion, Final Fantasy VII, Cyberpunk 2077, Iron Man VR, Dying Light 2. Like, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure every single Doom ever has been delayed, so that shouldn't be that's new. Fine. It's just, yeah, just tell me when it's ready. It's fine. It's fine. Doesn't really affect me at all. Um, it would probably bother me if, it, like, here's the thing. I some of these games that are on this list, I'm very excited for. Uh, I would be. It would definitely upset me if they gave me a date for Halo and then that was pushed off, just because I how I love that game. So yeah, much, right. Of so like, I don't know. Like, so I get like this probably bothers a lot of people. It's just really it is really unfortunate. It's completely avoidable. Yep, most of the time. Or or like maybe ninety percent avoidable. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, like, like you said, there's a situation where maybe in the, in the last minute, they realize something horribly wrong that needs to be fixed and they have to push. That also happens. Yeah. Fine. That's not what's going on yeah. here. It's like, the, it's just being announced seemingly arbitrarily. And like, uh, it's just, it's really stupid. I just don't understand it. Well, you'll see a game, like a game that quote unquote did it right. Um, and it's only when there's not a lot of overhead, right? Um, something like Death Stranding. Death Stranding was announced ages ago. And it was mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, we kind of think it'll be out whenever. And then it was like, as you're approaching that year, it's like, eh, it's not coming out this year. Uh, and then it mm-hmm. comes out like 18 months later. And it's like, okay, like, yeah, when we're yeah. done, when we're done, it'll be out. And you guys will know about it. And it was right. a huge event still, despite not having here's the some, Yeah, and here's some random shit in the meantime. Yeah. Just to keep you hyped. It's great. Yeah, yeah. That's what teases. It goes long. Here's a 10 minute trailer with Apocalyptica behind it. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a shame. But what are you going to do? All right. Be better. How about some bittersweet news? Give me. Better Call Saul has been renewed for season six, which will be Woo. its final season. That's okay. I'm okay with that. Sure. Um, well, that's why I said bittersweet. It's good because we know there'll be at least one yeah. more season. After the season we still haven't even got to see yet. So two more seasons for us to watch. Oh, oh, five hasn't come yeah. out yet. Okay, so two. All this, right. This is oh, on IGN oh. from, uh, was that a couple days ago? Uh, AMC's Better Call Saul has been renewed for a sixth and final season ahead of its season five premiere. The announcement. Cool. Was, when is it? When is five? Um, I forget. Let me see if it's down here further. When does five? It, Do I even speak? What is that? <laughs> when does five? Well, well, let me give you some quotes from Peter Gold. Uh, from day one of Better Call Saul, my dream was to tell the complete story of our complicated and compromised hero, Jimmy McGill. Now AMC and Sony are making that dream come true. We couldn't be more grateful to the fans and critics who are making this journey possible. 
Next month, we start work on the sixth and final season. We're going to do our damnedest to stick the landing. Gold went on to say that season six will premiere sometime in 2021. Um, talked about the possibility for more spinoffs after El Camino was received well. I think you can put too much hot fudge on a Sunday. I certainly don't have any mm-hmm. plans to keep the universe going after this wonderful series ends. You don't want to drive like it to into hear the that. ground. Um, now, slightest bit of spoilers here uh, about Breaking Bad characters making cameos in Season 5. Uh, while we're not sure how these characters will be featured, Gould did say that Dean Norris will return as Hank Schrader during Episodes 3 and 4 of Better Call Saul Season 5. Yes! Steven Michael Quezada will also appear as Steve Gomez. Gold declined to reveal if we'd be seeing other Breaking Bad characters in Season 5. However, he did confirm that Aaron Paul's Jesse Pinkman and Brian Cranston's Walter White will not be making guest appearances. Um, it doesn't say here when What's a Better Call Saul returns to Season 5, but it's sometime in the next few months. It might be April? I don't remember. Hmm. But uh, I thought that was some cool news. I like to hear that. I like to That's awesome know news. that we have at least 20 or whatever more episodes. Dead Minerals, Marie. <laughs> I doubt uh, there will be see, any mineral talk. If I can, uh, one month. Oh, February. Okay. Yeah, February 23rd. Sunday. Yeah. Sweet. That's exciting. Ooh. Ooh. I'm excited. I like that show. <laughs> I, I, I love that show. I know Dominic is just finally getting... I know he watched the first season with me. And then so like the first episode or two of the second season. And for whatever reason, he didn't keep up with it. And he's just been one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, I gotta get back into that. Gotta get back into that. And then he's just like... Fuck, I'm like behind three seasons now. <laughs> so I think he's into the third. Actually, he might have just finished the third season. He might be on to season four. Um, so uh, that's good. Uh, I love that show. It's great. Um, yeah, it's it's so good. I'm excited uh, for the new season. There's a lot of new yeah, things coming I- out, like imminently. Bojack is back really soon. Um, there's something else. Oh, Curb just started. This new show, Avenue 5, just started. Um, Shit's Creek is Better back. Better Call Saul just <laughs> is about to start. Yeah, that's right. Shit's Creek started a couple weeks ago. There's some. There's one other thing, too. I don't remember what. Now I was just thinking the other day. I was like, oh, that's coming up. Um, either like, well, m- m- it's all. It's a lot of shows that are like entering the start of a season, and then everything else is coming back from their mid-season break. Yeah, which is like, then it's just like this. This whole winter season is is like crazy TV. Oh, shows duh. This, this the is the other thing that's coming back. Um, it's one of my notes. Altered Carbon Season 2 is coming out February 27th. Uh, I forgot that that was imminently coming back. I was thinking that was, like, later this year. And then all of a sudden I saw something today. I was like, Altered Carbon, February 27th. I was like, fuck, that's right, that's, like, right here. (laughs) I, like, literally have heard nothing since they announced the cast of the second season. Because they're doing it as kind of a semi-anthology. Which, mm. due to the weird nature of that show, is something that they can pull off with while still being okay. inside, like very inside the same universe. Um, and there are some characters returning, so that's cool. Anthony Mackie is going to be t- playing the lead. Um, Takashi Kovacs, who was predominantly played by Joel Kinnaman in the first season, also played by another Asian actor uh, whose name I'm not familiar with. Uh, I don't know if he's actually back in the second season. Um, did mm. you? You didn't see that show, right? No, that's I did not. That's a fun show. It is weird I, as fucking hell. I would. I'll give it a shot. I'll give it like an episode and see if it hooks me. I, I'm not gonna give it the benefit of the doubt of more than one episode, though. Uh, you're probably gonna have to give it more than one episode. See, I've got an. Uh, the thing is, I got too many things I want to watch. I'm not saying you have to give it a full season, but I know at the end of the first season, I was like, or at the end of the first episode, I was like, 
One, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. Two, I'm not even sure if I'm intrigued by what's going on. And then after, I don't remember how many, two or three episodes, I was like, oh, there is, there is stuff happening. Okay. And by the end of it, I was like, that was fucking ridiculous. I had a lot of fun, but holy shit, that was ridiculous. <laughs> all right. All right. I, uh, I did just start watching Dracula. Uh, that was one you mentioned last That's, week. Yeah, I was uh, the first episode. The, the episodes are like 90 minutes, and there's three of them. Yeah, that's right, because I think I distinctly remember you saying, oh, it's not that bad. There's only three episodes. If I watch one, then it's, there's only two more, even if I didn't completely love it. I said, yeah, but that's like a three-hour right. movie's worth of thing I'm not sure about. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, I like what's happening in it. I like the take. The problem is the episode went on for too long. Uh, and uh, like uh, you know, you know, I don't, I don't usually complain about length of. It's just it dragged in weird spots, like almost like I want to make this ninety minutes, but it's really only sixty minutes of material. Ah, the Walking Dead approach. Yeah, and then which is like you know you're on Netflix right now, so like what are you doing? But uh, <laughs> and then at the at the end of it, it was like wait, but are you done saying what you what you decided you also had to say? Like it was like I, now I have to watch the next one because you're not done saying what you're saying. Like sixty minutes in, you were done. You could have broke it there and maybe made it a four episode season. <laughs> but then you started talking again, and then you passed out drunk. Like I don't know. <laughs> like I need. <laughs> I don't know where it's going. Uh, it's just a little. It's just a little strange. Uh, but there's like I said, there's only. I'm only. I'm. I'm a third through it. <laughs> so. <laughs> I think I'll uh, I'll put it I'll put it on again. Um, if I'm not like I, I was hooked at the beginning because like the mystery that's going on, like the way that it's it's I like the way it's portrayed. Um, I was hooked in the in the seventeenth act. Uh, <laughs> so each and then, episode, and then it trailed off again. <laughs> so each episode suffers individually from Lord of the Rings ending. Uh, it seems that way. I <laughs> that don't sounds, know. That sounds we'll, like we'll, my fi- well, we'll find out. I only like I said, I only watched one. I, I don't dislike it. I just it, it was just a the pacing and the the choice of ending the episode. It just seemed a little odd. I guess I guess the story of the one episode is kind of complete. I, it's 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 strange. It sounds like a, I'll, it sounds I'll have like to see where it goes. I'll have to see where it goes. I'll let you know if it's worth it when I'm done. Okay. Do you have any more but, news or notes or? Uh, I got a nugget. So, Joaquin Phoenix has won a couple of awards so far this awards season. Uh, he recently picked up him a SAG award for his um for the joke for Joker. I keep wanting to say that Joker. It's just Joker. <laughs> and one of the things. So usually when Joaquin Phoenix is when he wins something, I'm like, I mean, I get it, but I don't want to hear him talk because he usually says something weird or he's not. He's a weird guy. He doesn't. He is a weird guy. He very, very much redeemed himself in his SAG award speech, where he went through and po- like and celebrated each of the other nominees in the category, and then gave a heartwarming shout out to Heath Ledger at the end. Yeah, and I, I thought that, that was it. it was really it was really touching, and I thought it was well done, especially like he 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 was he came across apologetic for some of the weirdness of what he's said before. And it was, I don't know, it was just kind of nice. It was a good, it was a good retcon. And <laughs> that reminds me, I saw the thing uh, about, uh, or I heard the quote that Brad Pitt had from his speech um, about, uh, he, where he thanked the rest of the wonderful cast, the director, yep. 
Um, was it uh, Margot Robbie? Margot Robbie's feet. Margaret Qualley's yep. feet. Uh, yep. Dakota Fanning's feet. Um, and then when he said, uh, like, Quentin Tarantino separated more women from their shoes than, uh, who was it? I don't, I don't remember. It was, it was he, good, he, he said he separated more w- w- women from their shoes, and I don't remember what. I just remember hearing, and I was like, that's fucking funny. Let me see if I can pull out a quote. That, it was, it was good. That he, uh, he, he just, that, the man exudes cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from their shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was looking at Brad Pitt acceptance speech. Um, oh, wait, I think I actually... What? Let's see. Oh, no, I don't want the video. Let's see. Can you hear it? Oh, God. I gotta add this to my Tinder profile. <laughs> it's a good speech. I'll just let it play. Thank you, my brothers... My sisters, this means so much, um, more than I can possibly fathom. Uh, I want you to know I watch everything. I watch you all, and the work has been mesmerizing, so I thank you. Um, I want to thank my co-stars, Leo, Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie's feet, Margaret Qualley's feet, Dakota Fanning's feet. Seriously, Quentin has separated more women from their shoes than the TSA. Uh, that's, that's, it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I needed. Uh, yep. yeah. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> that's a great line. There's, everybody gets a good chuckle out of him. He's, he's it was sweet. Uh, the the, the sag words were fun. Um, I only really care about the Oscars. I, I, are we doing the Oscars? One of the Oscars. Of course, we're doing the Oscars. Uh, Three weeks, I think. Oscars day. Well, Oscars. Super Bowl is two weeks, so it's got to be at least one week after. Oh, it's February 9th. Yeah, so three weeks. Three weeks. Yep. Yeah, we're of course gonna do flicks and a whisk. It's gonna happen. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's gonna be have to be our episode <laughs> that comes out before the Oscars, right? So that's let's get something good. Let's get something good. It's two weeks from. Uh, oh, good whiskey. You mean? Yeah. Right, last week, last year we coordinated like a day in advance, so we definitely had two different whiskeys. We're Absolutely. probably gonna have two different whiskeys again this time. That's I more than likely the case. I don't see myself buying a new bottle of whiskey. So unless you want to buy something fine. that I already have, <laughs> that's all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but, uh, I don't know, yeah, maybe if well, I can find something like a small, small bottle of something that we can both find, um, we'll absolutely be doing our Oscars. That's, that's good Oscars though because I realize we're running a little low on beer supplies. So we need definitely need a run where we can exchange, or I can bring you some, or whatever. Yeah, I think I have. I currently have three for oh, you. Oh, nice. Okay, so I'll try and bring at least um, you know a good four, five, six. One of them will definitely still be here when I give them to you. The other one, one, one is the other one. Might, most likely, will still be available, and the third one is like time sensitive because I really like it. Oh. So <laughs> I might burn through it all before. Stay on target. <laughs> all nice. right, let's go. I got uh, one more. I got a trailer to talk about. It's that trailer that I told you to watch right before we started. Dispatches from Elsewhere. Mm. What yeah. the fuck was that? Yeah, I, I that trailer is very long. Yeah, yeah. It, it's about it's about seven hours, and I don't know what it's about. I have no idea what it's about. It looks like some sort of treasure hunt, maybe a cult. Is it based on something? I don't think so. I know that. Jason Siegel is starring in it. I believe he... I don't know if he's full-blown showrunner, but I like he's producing it. I think this is yeah, like yeah. his brainchild. 
Interesting. Um, it seems like it has some Matrixy vibes to it of like things that maybe are real that we're not aware of. There, I there's a whole lot of there's some Matrix. There's some talking about other like futuristic dystopic things from the same year. Uh, there's also some. Uh, that what the fuck was that movie with Equilibrium with Christian Bale? There's some Christian Bale Equilibrium mm. to it. There's some even some uh, Get Out to it. I don't know why the vibe of mm. Richard Grant mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. on the TV. Yeah, I got very some of that. Get Out to me. There's some yep. kind of Yes Man culty things going on. Um, mm-hmm. It's on AMC. It's got an interesting cast. It looks fucking weird. I'm tentatively in. Like I definitely want to give I mean, it a shot. I'd, I'd watch an episode. I feel like it's going to be one of those weird ones where you need to watch probably like three to get what's going on, but like at least one to see if the vibe Dude, is there. Be better. Be better at storytelling. Sure, but you know, there's only so much you can do in an hour. There is, but that's on you as the creators and makers of this material. That's true. Uh, there's been a... It's not, it's not on me to get hooked. It's on you to hook me. True. Um, I, I can be a harsh critic of pilots while at the same time also being willing to have leeway even if I don't love it. Like, I have oh, a high yeah. standard for pilots because I've seen some really, really good ones. Um, and mm-hmm. I've seen some other ones that are like, like you said, just be better. But if, yeah. I'm, if Nine, I'm... 90% on, of pilots. If I'm in on who's making it or who's in it or the network sure. that's running it, even if I don't love the pilot, I'm usually inclined... I didn't love the pilot for the Americans. That's one of my favorite shows of all time. I mm-hmm. loved the pilot for Game of Thrones. It was a great show. Um, for most of its run. Um, Mr. Robot has a tremendous pilot. One of the best ones I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Westworld had one of the best pilots I've ever seen. Yeah, it did. So, like, it, it is fucking doable. Like, exactly. Breaking Bad, actually, I know everyone loves it. I actually didn't completely love the pilot for that. No, it's it, I wasn't hooked on the first I, episode. I very much was not hooked. I wasn't even fully hooked by the end of the first season, really. Mm, okay. Like I was, I was I in was, it, I, but I wasn't I like them. hooked. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will check it out. I if if you're if you want to talk weird shows, I'm more excited about uh, the Alex Garland show that we're oh, going to be getting damn, soon. So, so like, yeah, like that 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 I'm hooked on from the trailers and teasers and and him and like what he's made and who he's putting in the show. You, you had you, like you had me hooked at Alex Garland FX Nick Offerman. Like I. Right. Don't mean yeah. anything else. Those three words or those three. You had me at me tornado. <laughs> <laughs> those those three discrete entities combined into one thing. You have me hooked. I'm gonna sit down yeah. and watch the whole show no matter what. And I'm inclined to give most. There's very few shows that I haven't at least finished a season of if I start watching. Mm. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll see what's up. Uh, do you have any other news and nuggets? Do you want to do? Mr. Robot, final thoughts, or do you want to wait till next week? Because we've had a lot of news and nuggets today. Um, it's up to you, man. Are you in the zone? I mean, I am, but it's already pretty late, and I think we're going to talk about this movie longer than we've talked about other ones, so I'm inclined to Fair leave enough. it until the next one, because I don't want to All right, we'll, we'll hold off until next week. We'll hold off until next week. Because we still have Witcher Watch, too. We do have Witcher Watch, but first, we have fun on games. That, too. Uh, this is the Witcher quiz. Hang on a second. If we're going to have... Fun of games. Let me have some fun over here. Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have a cork gun? Uh, we're watch- we're doing the Witcher quiz. Which Witcher character are you? Here we go. Seven questions, Al. Not too much for this one. 
I, I'm really what I'm doing right now is stalling because it looks like his beer may be overflowing. <laughs> you know what? After that explosive uh, opening, I was like, oh no, it's going to definitely like flood everywhere. And then it didn't. So I was like, oh, I'm in the clear. And then I'm going to take a sip and then it went. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just poured it. off a lot of foam. I see that. That's ridiculous. It sure is. All right. Here we go. Al, choose a color. White, yellow, black, or gray. Sorry. Three of those colors got cut off. Could you do those again? <laughs> White, yellow, black, or gray. I-, I would argue that three of those are not colors, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, let's go with black. All right. Does it come in black? Does it come- <laughs> uh, I'm going to apologize with you right now. This is a horrendous, horrendous website, and the quiz is over. What? <laughs> you no, said there were seven it's just questions. Like- no, I know it broke. Like I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it sounds it's like the gone. technical difficulties I had last week trying to read the eternal synopsis. I'm gonna try this again. I'm gonna open the quiz up one more time. The man chose black. Next. No, it's it doesn't it doesn't work. <laughs> oh, that's really disappointing. I, I feel deprived <laughs> of funding games. Oh man, hang on. I wanna. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do this live. I'm gonna send you the quiz. And. Yeah, You're going to try to run it and I see go. what happens. Um, copy link. Send it to you. I just want to see if it breaks for you, too. This is horseshit. <laughs> All right. Send it to you in the chat. It's entirely possible it will. My computer has been acting very oddly for a lot of the past few months. Okay. Which, quiz? Which character are you? That one? Mm-hmm. Looks like I got, like, the main page. Oh, hang on. I'm on question two. It finally loaded. Al. Yes? Choose, choose an animal. Lion. Wolf. Dog, cat. The picture is a dog in wrapped up in a blanket, just so you know. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with wolf. Wolf. Oh, that's a good choice. I like the wolf. Hungry like the wolf after that burger talk. <laughs> Choose a bird. Raven. Swallow. <laughs> Why? What's with the birds today? <laughs> Choose a bird. Raven, swallow, nightingale, eagle. Eagle! <laughs> <laughs> For anyone who's a fan of scrubs. <laughs> The Witcher Quiz. Choose an age. Middle Ages, the Renaissance, 19th century, our time. Uh, let's go with our time. It's our time down here. It's our time. <laughs> Choose a city. London, Paris, New York, or Tokyo. New York. All right. Choose a gemstone. Ooh, Ruby, diamond, sapphire, or emerald. Emerald. Choose a platform. Windows, Mac, Xbox, PlayStation. Xbox. What, is, what does this have to do with anything? <laughs> How does this getting factored in? Those are also not fully related. Nope. All right, here we go. Who ooh, who, who do you think you got? Um, I'm going to apologize with you in advance. This quiz doesn't even tell me why. It just give me a picture. <laughs> this sucks. Did it give you the name? <laughs> I, I, hope I'm, I hope I'm King Aced. It, it, it gives me the name. No, who are you? King Aced. I wanted it to be Stragable, but it's not. <laughs> it's your Siri. Your Princess Siri. <laughs> I would have never, I would have never guessed. Not in a million years. Yeah, uh, I think that I think that your answer is clearly. I mean, come on. Uh, I'm sorry about this, guys, listeners. Al, I apologize. I should have taken this quiz in advance. Usually, you to do know don't what you? I. I usually do, but I thought about it last minute, and it's. Quiz games can go to well, hell. Well, if you want better Quiz Witcher, games that if I you own. want better Witcher talk, we're gonna have it after the episode. Since I 
somehow, finally, after long trials and tribulations that we won't get into, finished The Witcher like five minutes before we started recording tonight. So, fantastic. Yeah, we'll toss a coin to our Witcher after uh, after toss the credits. It'll be post credits. <laughs> All right. With that, let us get into our flick of the week. 1917, released in 2019, rated R, with an hour and 59 minute run team. Run team? <laughs> run, run time? Uh, I'm really loving lately these IMDb genres. This is a drama war. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty dramatic. All right. Definitely a All right. Two young British soldiers during the First World War are given an impossible mission deliver a message deep in enemy territory that will stop 1,600 men and one of the soldiers' brothers from walking straight into a deadly trap. Directed by Sam Mendes. That's your IMDb synopsis. This movie is tremendous. I really enjoyed it. And for the first time in probably. Um, I don't know. I want to say something like maybe 20 episodes. Oh, we got a second beer. <laughs> We're going second, second beer. Second beer alert after I almost blew up the whole fucking uh, studio here opening my beer a few minutes ago. We are. That is another one down from what Al is supposed to get when the next no! one I see him. <laughs> no, Stop I drinking no them. I support this. <laughs> that was the weirdest. But um, uh, it was, <laughs> I, had, I did it on purpose. <laughs> that was for you. Uh, man, I, the movie, I saw this movie two days in a row. Oh, you did end up seeing um, it twice? I it did. Yeah. I, uh, I got out of the, I, uh, so I had my tickets set. I bought them for Sunday. Kim and I went to go see it. Uh, on the way there, I was making plans with some friends for the next day. They were like, oh, we want to see 1917. I was like, oh, that's funny. Like I'm seeing it tonight. I was like, if it's any good, I'll, uh, you know, if it's really good, I'll, I'll I'll be down to go see that again tomorrow. As when the movie ended, I was like, "We're on!" <laughs> like, like it's. I texted them immediately. I was like, "I will happily see this again tomorrow." Uh, not for, for the faint of heart to watch twice. Yeah, in a row. I was gonna say it's a really good movie, but it's not really the type that you typically go for multiple viewings for. It's not typically. Uh, here's the reason why it's very very important to see it again. The movie has you on the edge of your seat for an hour and 59 minutes of you do not know what's going to happen next. It's super intense with the incredible way that it was cut together with that seamless shot or seemingly seamless shot throughout the entire movie that it's hard to pick up on dialogue and minute details because you're 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 worried. You're ducking for cover the whole movie. Well, I mean, it's not like there was a ton of dialogue. <laughs> No, there's not, but there's some really important stuff that is said. Yes. And it's easy to miss. And upon the second watch, knowing everything that's going to happen, I could really, I was really able to, like, to sink my teeth. Yeah, in. I realized afterwards, because uh, I went and looked at some, some things, um, and I realized that I did miss a couple of things. Uh, we talk about mo- that more post-spoilers, I guess. Sure. Um, you want to go tweet-length reviews? Hit me. An unflinching look at the horrors of war and the personal and societal costs it extracts. A masterfully made film that tells a gripping personal story against the backdrop of a world-consuming event. I think that's a wonderfully eloquent version of a tweet-length review. Uh, Much better than my, simply put, a masterpiece. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Seriously, I... uh, This movie deserves every bit of recognition that it's getting. 
Yes. And and then some. I was a little concerned that it would be overhyped and I would be disappointed. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that I was. I thought it was a damn good movie. Um, I understand now, even if I don't 100% agree, I understand now why when we were going through Oscar noms, you were just like inking this is like it for all of them. <laughs> it was mm. like, whew. Like, uh, is it really yeah. that good? Like, um... And listen, we're well. We're certainly better and have keener eyes now than we did three years ago when we started this show. We're still sure. not a hundred percent experts on any of this shit, um, of and any of these things can be subjective. And we all, we both still have to watch a lot of these movies that were nominated. Although, as I already said last week, I'm way ahead of the game compared to how I was last year <laughs> coming down yeah. the pike for uh, Oscars. I saw you added uh, Parasite on Plex, so I'm mm-hmm. almost certainly going to watch that at some point in the next week. Uh, really yep. excited for that one too. Yeah, I'm looking to actually. I I would prefer to buy it. I I I'm actually. This is the first movie so far of the Oscar season, but Parasite that is that I I can't give anybody my money. I don't understand. I don't know who to give it to. Like I want to watch the movie. Like I'm trying. Like I'll go to the theater, but it's not playing. I'm picturing you. I will go buy it, but I can't. I'm picturing you standing on a street corner (laughs) waving cash. Who will take my money? Who will take it? That's how it feels sometimes, and it makes me it makes me feel really stupid, especially around this time of the year. It's like. You're giving this movie this incredible recognition. Why can't I watch it? I'm not trying to watch it for free. I'm trying to pay you. I want to give you my money. I can't give it to you. Why are you not letting me give it to you? <laughs> I don't get it. I just don't understand. It's what really dumb. Um, it, it really is. Getting back to it really 1917, is. though. Um, huh. Well, that's something I can't talk about till post-spoilers. Uh, let, let, me, let me jump in. Uh, there is a... Aside from one... The, the way that they portray the story and they really, the emotions of these, these young soldiers, like, it's just, everything about it is just like, you really, it makes you feel like you're there right next to them. Well, um, well, that has a lot to do with the way that it shows. I would say, I have something on that that we can talk about, pre-spoilers. Um, okay. Specifically, as you were saying, with the way it shot, the single, or I guess maybe double take, um, because there's a moment halfway-ish, two-thirds of the way through the movie, that um, they seem to break the rule of the single take somewhat. Um, it's it's kind of probably that whole phenomenon now is becoming a bit of a gimmicky extravagance because kind of everyone has a one-shot thing, whether it be the whole movie or the whole episode or for a significant portion of one. And I don't, I don't mind it as long as it's two things. One, it's done well, and two, if it serves a purpose, serves a purpose. for what it's Absolutely. doing. And that's probably the one criticism of it you could say in something like Birdman at certain times what are you doing like why are you doing yeah it? at certain times I'm like okay yeah. I totally get it and other times it's like eh not really super necessary to the story you're telling but in this movie f- for the most part it really was um, you're the third soldier on the journey yeah and that's what it is it, it has one yeah. very specific compelling use it forces a level of intimacy on the audience it feels like you're going on this journey with those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and when this technique is used properly, it makes you feel like you're really there. Not just for a single mm-hmm. scene, but from start to finish. You take up your gear with those guys, and through hell and high water, you're there along the ride every step of the way with them. It kind of feels like you're like joining up on like a Lord of the Rings-style quest right in the beginning of the Fellowship, mm-hmm. where like you're all taking up from Rivendell, and we're going to head... To Mordor, it feels like you're a part of what's happening, um, right. and that's a powerful technique for a story like this. 
there are certain things. Yeah, absolutely. There's things that they do where like. You're basically following these like these two characters going through turning corners, checking corners, checking different things out, like covering their ass, and you almost spot a mistake, and then like, oh, they don't look that way. It's like I got that. I'll look that way. Like that, like, you feel like you're you really do feel like you're in it, especially the first time you watch the movie and you're on the you're really on edge. Like your your blood is just like pumping through you so fast when you're. It's insane. But no, it's it, you're absolutely right. Doing it for. Just doing it doesn't make any sense. Doing it for a specific storytelling mechanic or like a way of portraying just this this very uh, it's 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 difficult to actually get into the mindset of what someone might have been feeling or how that like you can't relate. You simply can't relate unless you've been in war. It there's no I don't think there's a way to relate. And this is the closest thing I feel like that you're gonna get is something like this where it really it put it puts you stature of the camera like it puts you right next to them like it's it's actually it's actually pretty close up which is something that i for a lot of it which is something that i you know i hate i hated about uh like um what can i think of that uncut gems and like like it's not that close and it's not like up their nose but like you are you're like over the shoulder it's almost like you have your hand on the shoulder of one of the guys and you're you're covering him like it's it's crazy. Oh, absolutely. And it's intense. I think I it's intense. between that specific of the tracking shot that's the one shot, uh, in addition to the cinematography and some of the set design, you said that close up, the word you're looking for is claustrophobic. Um, yeah. It forces a, like a level Oof. of claustrophobia on you um, because you're in these tight confines with all of these guys. You feels like you're walking through the trenches, like you're walking through the tunnels, like you're crawling through... Um, you know, I don't want to get into where some of the areas they're crawling through. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the way yeah. that they're able to transition quickly and seamlessly from this claustrophobic trench and tunnels to wide open fields, they it was immersive from start to finish. And part of it is that feeling of like, hey, we're traipsing along with these guys. Um, but it also, it, it gives you a real tangible sense of the time and the place and the situation, the gravity of what's going on around you. Um, and also... Further, like the like the the color scale, it's shot in a very dreary, like drab, uh, mm-hmm. color scale, which both for the consider they're basically have just been caked in mud for months or years at a time. You get that sense of like, man, no one probably even remembers what it's like to be clean. When was the last time any of these guys got to take a fucking shower or bath or something like that? Right. Um, plus the whole weather, you know, it's all a, a cue to how downtrodden these guys are. And to kind of period accuracy or something 100 years ago, um, all of that in, in conjunction with the way that the uh, the tracking went. Although I did find it a little bit, I don't want to distracting, I'll say, when they were walking through the trenches and the camera was facing them, but the camera's moving backwards. Yeah. Um, as opposed to when it swung around and it's following them through the trenches. That felt mm-hmm. like... You know, it reminded me of sometimes when you're playing, not if not a cutscene, like kind of like those guided like rails areas of like video games where you're following like a squad. Yeah. Um, it feels like you're right in it, like as if you have some agency in the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it it it, it can, that that bit can get a little bit jarring. I think it helps that it's not um, it just makes it just a little bit different. Otherwise, I might be too samey. Like to always be back behind them. Sure, like, and they play around with it later. There's sure. some specific times. There's the scene, and I won't say what's going on. The scene where he leaves the uh, like the the bell tower, and mm-hmm. he 
he's walking down and oh you God. follow him and then he walks off the screen and you're still looking out the window and then you see him show up outside the window yeah. and then it travels through the window and follows him back down again. Like they definitely so played around with or the stuff where the two of them walk to the farmhouse and mm-hmm. he walks in the farmhouse is an intense he walks, scene which we'll get into he walks <laughs> for sure. Into the farmhouse um uh, Schofield walks into the farmhouse and Blake walks around behind it and you lose track of, of Blake while Schofield's walking through the house and then the mm-hmm. camera follows him walking past the window and then you see Blake outside. It's so cool. There's some fun little tricks that they do with all of that. Yep. Absolutely. There's, uh, I will say like you, it's like the, like a, we, we've mentioned it's, it's shot, it's a continuous shot style. Um, obviously they can't film the movie in one continuous shot. There are seams but the seams are chosen at such great points where they make it feel so very seamless that some of these takes had to be 15, 20 minutes. Well, there's one, and there's a story I want to get into once we get post-spoilers. Um, well, actually, I guess I can, we can talk about it with it too spoilery. The scene from the trailer where, Sco- the running where scene? Schofield's running, I was yep. watching an interview today that he, he was on with Fallon last week. Did you, okay. did you see that? No, I haven't. The guy who played Schofield, George Mackay... Um, was on with Jimmy Fallon talking about that scene and how you know he's running parallel to a trench and he's up on top and you see explosions going off and there's guys climbing out and running over the trench. This isn't a spoiler because you've seen it in the trailer. Um, mm-hmm. When you see the full extended version of that scene, you know he runs into guys a couple times and trips and falls. Yeah, that was unscripted. Really, that was an accident, and they just kept shooting it. And he was saying how they said. There was a certain timing. We did a rehearsal the day before, you know, without the explosions, just guys running around. I don't know if they were, like, in costume or whatever, but, like, it's, hey, we're going to get up from here. We're going to run through here. You're going to run up at this, cross over the trench at these times. And we run, no collision, no whatever. He goes, but they say, you know what, don't stop acting the scene until we tell you to stop because of the nature of shooting like this, right? Sure. And so he's sure. running, and a dude crashes into him, and he topples over and he gets back up and he starts running again and he crashes into him again topples and falls down it happens twice <laughs> during that scene he just gets up and going and i thought it was a really cool thing where as the collision happens the camera and it's the ratio of like how it's its perspective is to him starts to deepen and it looks like they're doing yeah. this thing where it's like one of those elongated hallway type like like mm-hmm. visual tricks it's a great scene but it's so good i thought that was done on, pur- pers- uh, on purpose to show how far he had to go it wasn't apparently it was just the track it, the track was meant to go at a certain yeah. pace because he was meant to go at a certain oh, pace oh man that's so cool and, <laughs> and then you notice as he gets up and he's r- running back into a full sprint again it then zooms back in on him again and i thought that was done intentionally it was completely on accident that's so funny that's that's amazing and it looks so great that, and realistic because in the moment it's it like does. oh yeah those guys don't care about this guy running past him. They're going to fucking fight. They're, they're, there's mm-hmm. explosions happening in and around and above them. Like, here is here is why that is. I I actually I'm glad I actually have this written down that scene because there's a there's what I thought was a mistake. Oh, it's like in absolutely there, the best scene in the movie. Well, like from like a visual like. Oh yeah, the uh, the funny thing is of those collisions. One time, one of the guys doesn't get up, and I was like, what what. <laughs> What what happened? And it's probably just he didn't really know what to do. Well, yeah, uh, that's probably true because he's just an extra. Um, and, and the other thing is, uh, I was thinking after I found out that this was an accident, I was like, oh shit! It's a good thing he didn't get like, and obviously Blown they're, up. they're not real bayonets, right? But it's a good thing he didn't get like fucking like stabbed with one of those bayonets. Like even if it's blunt, it's gonna hurt if some guy runs yeah. 
headlong and stabs you with one of those things, considering those guys weren't supposed to run into him. Maybe that's what happened to that one guy. <laughs> the, the one <laughs> or what if he didn't, like, what if one of the explosions got him because he was slowing down? That's what I was wondering, too, but I think they time those based on him running past it. They probably have, mm. mar- like, cues, like, markers of, like, mm-hmm. okay, he's past X yards, like, blow it up. It's such a was, tremendous scene. That was the first thing I thought, too, because they played the clip while he was talking about it on Fallon, because they played the whole extended clip that's not in the trailer of just the run. Um, and I yeah. was like, I was thinking that, too. I was like, fuck, what if they had accidentally blew him up while he's on that thing? I was like, oh, maybe it's, like, it was an after effect thing. I was like, no, that dirt is clearly bouncing off of that dude who's running in the background. Um... So they must have just timed it based on there's no one there, hit the button. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> there was, fuck, there was one other thing I was thinking about with this. I can't remember. Uh, shit. There was, I had one other thought on, on that whole thing, but I thought that was incredible that, that that's all, like, it happened on accident, and, and it's... Absolutely, it that's awesome. Felt re- oh, that's what it was. Um, I, well, I rewatched the, the thing again once he told his story. Some of the guys, you can tell, look quick, like out of the corner to check their peripheral to make sure they don't crash into him. And some of the guys are just looking dead ahead. And those are the dudes mm. who are crashing into him. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. It's just a tremendous movie. Here's the thing. You're with us so far. You've listened to the show. You're clearly a fan of movies. If you're a fan of movies, you're, you already love this movie. Like I just, I can't imagine that you are a fan of movies and don't unless like you just this flat, or can't Unless you just flat it. out don't like war movies. That's about the only reason. Even, even so, I would give it the benefit of the doubt just because you, if you are a, like, you can get past it just for the style. It's insane. It's an incredible met, story, we, and it's told incredibly. It really is, and we touched on it a little bit, but it can't be understated. The production is insane. There's an entire uh, opening of the movie walking through trenches. They had to build all of that. Either that, or they build it in a clever way where you can go in circles. No, they and they, make, they actually talked about that too. One of the two actors talked about that um, uh, at some point about when they saw the trench. They're like, they didn't realize how fucking huge that section of trenches is. He's like, oh, sh-. like they were talking about the first day they showed up to shoot, and it's like, yeah, this is gigantic because the whole thing had to be functional for the one long tracking shot. Because if it was sets, you would like see it. They would have to edit it. It wouldn't be able to to show up in one shot. Really, mm-hmm. like it would look. You would see it straining at the seams. Yeah. Now, I, I wondered, like, if you can get away with, like, making it so that there's maybe three turns that you can, like, uh, like not three, obviously, but, like, turns that you could repeat almost so that you can, but, no, it, it feels so natural, like, that it's a real place. What is, and here's one of the things for, as far as, like, telling the story, there's, uh, this isn't a spoiler, it's not, it's not spoilery, uh, you get this glimpse of relaxing before getting orders going to get your orders and then starting to carry out your orders and you realize within this span we've traveled a distance of where characters looked like they were comfortable and relaxed and what was probably only a few hundred feet from just death and destruction and it's like that really resonated yeah like when that when they get to the front like oh here's the front line that that razor thin edge between yeah like you said the guys when when the movie first starts they're like sitting against a tree. There's like a beach in the background or something, right? I think it's just a field, a but yeah. Field. And like, like yeah, like you can tell like they're in war because like, they're full gear and everything, and it doesn't seem like it's like some base, right? It just it seems like a, a forward operating place. Mm-hmm. But as comfortable as you can be in those circumstances, too, literally a couple hundred feet away, and the guys there all look like they've seen 
death on death's door. Right. And then what's I think what's so crazy about it is what they what they're portraying is like this like this such this foreign situation of like safe but not safe in this one area and like five feet away from just death is like that's the new normal. That's the normal that these guys are living in. Mm hmm. And they really do a great job of getting you up to speed on that because, and they do a lot of it with gallows humor as we get into it of like, yeah, like we're, we, we still have to kind of live our lives to some degree because we're going to be here a while and like people joking around, but like also flipping the switch immediately to going into like acting on orders and like doing what needs to be done. It's just, it really is a tremendously done Movie. Well, you can, I can't. you can see guys carved out, like, the way you would an apartment or, like, the locker and bed in, like, a barracks. Like, just a piece of, like, wall under the, the trench was dug out and that's turned into a makeshift bed and have yep. somehow made that your space. Like, that is mm-hmm. that is that dude's place. It's not just anyone can lay there. That's his spot. Right. Which, oh my like, God. to it's... imagine, like, trying to personalize spaces like that because that is your life now. Your life is that you know, eight square feet of trench for the next few months and for the last few months. I I, I can't sing the praises of this movie enough. Uh, it, it, we're going to go into spoiler territory right after this, but seriously, please, please see this movie. It's just, uh, I, it's so good. Yeah, it's one of those ones that we can be kind of cliched, but we've mentioned a few times jokingly on this show, and I'll say seriously this time, similar to how we talked about Dunkirk when that movie came out. This is a movie that you don't so much see as experience. Yeah, that's it's true. And uh and maybe maybe slightly different. I feel like there's a little bit more to experience and re-experience in rewatches than there is in a movie like Dunkirk. Uh there's some for whatever reason the re- there's a little bit more rewatchability to this. I can't fully place what that is. I think it's more of the getting you to the level of the folks on screen and the continuity of the single shot that really makes it feel like you're there. But it's funny because this is a pretty stripped down experience ultimately. Um, Cause it's, it's meant to be, it's meant to be, maybe that's why maybe it feels real because it's stripped down deeply personal. It's a very small story told on a huge scale. And it's funny because I would have thought about it just the other up the opposite way that Dunkirk would have been more rewatchable oh, really? because there's so much going on. That I absolutely missed things the first time I saw it, you know? Mm. Little details, little things that could help further deepen the context around what you're seeing. That's fair. That's fair. I, I think it's probably just one of those things with like with Christopher Nolan. I'm already like, the first time I'm watching it, I'm looking for every little thing. <laughs> I know I know there'll be more to uncover, but like I watch it a different way than I watch other movies, I feel like. Yeah. But no, it's, it's just... Uh, what a, what a movie! I can't even. I can't. That's my review. I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into the spoilers because there's a lot more. Spoiler to talk territory about. it is. All right, so I want to jump. Let's let's start at the beginning of the movie. How do you, how do you feel about flowing through the movie and like we'll, we'll just like go through it and maybe if you feel the need to jump off to a certain area you can. But like I, I'd like to cover the whole movie. Okay, it's funny because you think more in beats by like it's just the different way that we think. Like you think yeah, about yeah. beat by beat, whereas I think about like. This whole big thing I'm thinking about, and then how I can like whittle it down and drill down to like right. the more and more refined <laughs> thing, which means that I tend to be 
more freeform and where I'm jumping from. Let's talk about the end of the movie now. Like, fuck, yeah, yeah. man, we just started. <laughs> okay, don't don't feel don't feel limited. Like, if you feel like if you feel the need to jump ahead with something that we're talking about or jump back when we go further ahead, do it. But I want to start off at the very beginning because I, I, that scene, like you had mentioned, uh, you gave a little bit more detail. But like the movie starting off with the guy is la- the guy laying on the tree, uh, you know, relaxing. The other guy asleep and pretending to be asleep at other points. I. Uh, it's it's you. It starts off right away. It's almost like a. It's quiet. It's almost like a little bit, little bit of birds chirping. It's very peaceful. It's very calm. And you're like, oh, interesting. I don't know. Like you know, this we get we get moments like this in war movies. But it's like, oh, we're starting off here. We're not starting off in the big fight. We're not starting off in the Saving Private Ryan D Day. You know, we're starting off with like a. And I think it sets a really good tone, for, these guys are living this. This is not like, and it's. It gets that message across better than a lot of war movies, I feel like, where well, like they've been here a while, they're uh, used to it. Yeah, I was going to say, it is distinctly different than something like Saving Private Ryan because those guys were all showing up for their first action of this war mm-hmm. at that point, right? As opposed to these guys who've been living it for months or years, when you consider Schofield, who is something of a legend, at least to Blake, right? Where Oh, you... You fought at the Somme? That's, that's, a lot of people don't recall a lot of details from World War One. Everyone knows the Somme. It's one mm-hmm. of the biggest, worst, bloodiest battles of all time. And it, so here's the thing. This is why watching it the second time was really important to me. Was I missed so much of their relationship and what they were actually talking about in those opening scenes. It was lost on me the first time that I watched it that Blake had leave and then it was later denied. I didn't realize that he was supposed to be leaving to go home for a bit, like in a week from now. Oh, so I missed the first yeah. couple of minutes of the movie. Oh, no. It wasn't my fault. I showed up on time. I actually bought my ticket online, but they still need to print you a physical ticket. And I went on Monday, which is a holiday, and they were slammed and they didn't have like extra people mm-hmm. there. So I had to wait online with like concession people to get my ticket. Okay. They yeah. didn't have the box office open, which was fucking annoying. Uh, that's annoying. Because like I was like I yeah. was like walking in, like I had five minutes before the trailer should have started, and instead I ended up missing all of the trailers in the first couple of minutes of the movie. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah. Oh, so I literally, I literally w- sat down as they were getting up from the trees to walk to get their orders. So okay, so basically, well, no, when waking up at the tree is the no, no, like they were literally standing up and walking away. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, so as they're walking away, this is when this conversation happens. But he basically, uh, Blake gives a, lets you know, clues you into the fact that he, his leave was rescinded. And he doesn't, he's like, I don't know why. And, and it's it's kind of throwaway. And it becomes really important later on. Uh, yeah, which, yeah, you could tell that. Ju- well, <laughs> jumping ahead just a little bit, not even so much like what ha- like his fate, but um, Schofield gives him this beautiful speech of like, it's, and I say speech, it's really like a one-liner of like, it's better to not go home at all. Yeah. Because like, we like, find out that... Like, until you're done. Like, until you're going to be going right. home for good. He, and that's like, what I love about the movie is uh, you get, you get, it feels like real raw emotion in the moment in reaction to what is like, it, it felt very real, like a person telling a story and then unintentionally getting choked up about what they're saying because it's that important to them. And that was Schofield saying, it's better not go home at all. Uh, just thinking when I was saying goodbye to them that I, n- I might not. And then he like, and he stops. And it was just like that 
did that scene get me? Like, I was just, uh, uh, I, 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 what's his name? Uh, the actor's name? Like, this is what I was, this is what George, I had George mentioned McKay. the other day. Like, these guys should have, he, specifically him, I, I think he should have been up for something. Yeah, so let's talk about that, because I thought that his character goes through an incredible journey. Both literal journey, obviously, and mm-hmm. his character, despite him having, well, we're past spoilers, right? He has yeah. twice the screen time as Blake, because Blake dies roughly halfway through the movie. Maybe or maybe sooner. Yeah. It's, you know, first, 40 to 60% of the way through the movie. Between the first and second act, yeah. it seems. <laughs> um, and Blake still might have more lines in him. Yeah. But looking back, isn't this more a more impressive and economical take on the character Leo playing The Revenant? Hmm. He won Best Actor for that. So why isn't this guy even nominated? Because yeah. the, you know, big picture, 50,000 foot view... They're pretty similar stories. Those guys, I understand one's in war and one's not, but ultimately, when you really get down to it, very close brush with death, left alone to navigate a hostile terrain and environment with singular purpose and, you know, the death of someone very close to him at right in his own hands, right? Mm-hmm. Goes through an incredible journey, brushes with death at all turns, um, and the whole thing is that guy on his own with very few lines spoken, some of them spoken even to himself, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And the amount of facial acting that has to be done it's insane. to make up for the lack of the lines, void. right? <laughs> yeah. And he starts off as like a near blank slate. He's already exhausted mm. and jaded when we meet him in, on that beginning scene, right? But throughout, this stubborn, morose young soldier shows vulnerability, valor indomitable spirit as he suffers repeated run-ins with death, death of his friend, without the chance to breathe or mourn in that whole space about any of it. And he runs, just his face runs at the end, that thousand-yard stare when he gets out of the river. And he's Mm -hmm. walking up and he finally found the second Devons. The desperation when he's trying to push the truck. And, you know, you get a little in his voice. Oh, my God. Best, uh, maybe second best... Best or second best scene in the movie is the truck scene. The determination as he's climbing the bridge, as he's running through Akust. Um, his very few lines were, mm-hmm. were very well done, especially once you get past some of the pleasantries at the beginning to when he really has to do things, talk about real things. But the facial acting was incredible. The, the physical acting, you see the weight of what's going on on his shoulders as he slumps, as he falls, he gets back up. Uh, as he's weary, he's beaten over the head, and he's still able. To, he literally got shot in the head. He got exploded on and caved in on, and he's still getting up and he's <laughs> running miles, swimming miles, nearly drowning. It's incredible yeah. what this guy does from the character perspective and the actor portraying it. You can see the mileage on his face, in his gait, the injuries that he that are now piling up on him. Um, the the just the 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 psychological trauma he's gone through. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an yeah. incredible performance. It, it really was. That's why, that's why I am shocked because of, uh, of the, of the award shows I've watched so far, like people have won great, great performances. think they deserve, uh, you know, the recognition. This guy really blew me away. Yeah. He really did. And I think one of the things that I, I love, I, you had mentioned character, like his, uh, you understand this man's character. Like, you get it. And also, how human he is in one very 
specific scene of why did you have to pick me? Mm-hmm. And then being like, no, fuck, like fire the flare. Like, I, like I'm here. I'm doing it. He's like, but it's just like, just like that. That it's a, it's a, it's a very human moment of why me weakness, which I really loved because it was just like he's just a guy, but he's a he's he's got such a strength in his character, like that it gets him through the remainder of the. It's just. It's it's, well, it's it's an Oscar-worthy performance, and it's absurd that he's not nominated. I'm actually very upset that he's not nominated. Yeah, after seeing this, I was like, geez, how is this guy not up there? Um, even if he yeah. didn't end up winning it, like just to get the recognition of, you know, that the nominee, he's, that yeah, he's the nomination is standing on that level with those guys. Um, mm-hmm. And I think one of the really important things, like you said, vulnerability. The vulnerability of why me? Yeah. The, the vulnerability of him, you know, his, his friend dies... Let's just call it what it is. This is one of the stupidest deaths I've ever seen in a war movie. But how realistic is it? Probably when you consider who Blake that's, was. Um, and when that, you well, that's who, what I mean. It's so it's so real because it's all it is is a dumb second of human error. Yeah. Um, and and I'm just saying, you know, he's you see it really affect him, or he could have just shut down, and he kind of does in like the sense of him not moving. He doesn't even realize the whole, you know. A battalion of the, or not a battalion, you know, a, a company of those guys are, are showing up all of a sudden right outside the door. You know, hell, and it's it's actually a, a, an interesting trick of of the the filmmaking that you're meant to be in that moment with him. You don't hear them show up either, right? Um, despite mm-hmm. as you as the camera pans around the house, there's guys pissing around the whole house. There's multiple yeah. trucks on the road. It's like a hundred feet away. It, you know, what I mean, like, you'd be able to hear this, those old that- trucks. That scene in general, there's so much to unpack there. I, I think we're gonna spend a lot of time there. But before we, before we do, I wanna, I wanna continue down this journey of the movie, just because I feel like there's, I wanna trigger some other things for your feedback before we get to it, because I feel like it leads up to it. Uh, all right. So we, they wake up at the tree. They walk through the trenches. That's when I, that's the first instance of me going, holy shit, the set design is insane. Then they get their orders. Uh. We and then they are. What I love about the orders is how dire it is and how absurd it is that this is being put on the shoulders of these two men. That, like, if you look at when Colin Firth delivers the message, it's not said out loud. Nobody acknowledges it really, except for except really for Schofield in the end. I feel like he's kind of acknowledging it. They're they're not going to succeed. This this is a this is a last ditch effort to communicate. Hail Mary. Right, exactly. It's a, it's an absolutely absurd premise. Although I do have, and it took me until today when I was putting my notes together, thinking about the movie for the last 24 hours. There is a bit of, and this is, you know, where one of those things, because at the end, if you notice, it said, um, you know, like in memory of, was it Major M- Mendez or whatever it was. He shared the Sa- story. Sam or- Mendez's grandfather or whatever, right, who told him stories. And that this is based on some of the stories he told them, but it's not necessarily specifically one true story sure. that happened. So it suffers from where you get into fiction and, you know, how you can't have a movie if you don't have... Um, it closely parallels the Lord of the Rings Eagles thing. Why couldn't they send one of those planes? Yeah. <laughs> like, those little, well, I, I, those little biplanes don't need a fucking runway. They can land yeah. on that field right past Acoust. It might have got shot down. It, it's expensive. Send, Who knows? send four planes. Send f- four planes is worth the price of sixteen hundred men. No, I, I, I th- I'm sure there's also a political commentary on value. 
uh, <laughs> on monetary value that that could be made there. But well, I mean, consider the the monetary value of all the gear that they had air support, or, no. well, not air support, artillery support. You know, all those things were going to be lost if you lost to sixteen hundred men. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we're not talking mm-hmm. about ten men. Ten men, I can understand why they wouldn't send a plane. The two mm-hmm. two battalions. That's a lot of dudes. I well, there's a there's only one reason why I. Not gonna, I'm not going to defend it because I don't think it's something that can be, really be defended. But there is that one scene of the planes coming back and him going, what'd they find? Schofield, I think, says it, or Blake says it. They're like, oh, what do you think they saw out there that they're coming back so soon? Yeah. Um, well, and they clearly got but, in a dogfight, right? But those two planes won, right? Two planes against yeah. one German. They shot the German plane down. The two British planes survived. One of yeah. those dudes could have dropped off the message. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's 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 true. I will say now, we, fair, like fair, the, fair, fair, fair. You need why. to have the movie and everything, but it's like that yep. is the hail mary of all hail mary. Like if you want to say, hey, we're gonna send these two guys and also the planes, a plane or two, like one if by land, two if by sea type of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they're sent, and it's a we know it's a hail mary. It it seems like from the. Um, the giving of the orders that it's a Hail Mary, which is honestly, uh, if you want to look a little bit further into it, it is the specific reason they chose him is if anybody's going to do it, it's somebody that has something strong, like a blood tie to getting this information. Oh, absolutely. Because someone, if right. it was just Schofield being sent at the beginning, he would have been like, sir, with all due respect. He would have waited until nighttime and missed. Yeah. He would have, it would, it, which is what he wanted to do. Like he didn't want to, he didn't want to rush into it. He wants to move at night and be, be, uh, you know, be a little bit stealthy about it which is really interesting anyway blake that gets his orders uh schofield is the guy that he chose to bring with him and they start moving on uh this is when it starts to get intense schofield is uh you're, he's a little worried he's not sure he's uh thinking he's trying to think he, he's thinking about survival he's wondering if maybe we should wait until nighttime he's not overly concerned probably doesn't think that the mission can be successful and he's like trying to uh uh, he's 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 trying to reason with Blake, who is you know who heard my brother's nature, and obviously there's going to be no reasoning with him, which is I think is actually really sweet and really interesting, and definitely a manipulation of emotion, which is portray- like which is what's being done by the general, like he's that we just like we just said, like, it's actually his brother. It gets more and more fucked up the more you think about it. It's so abundantly clear that that dude does not have what it takes to do this mission, mm-hmm. like. You could argue that no two guys had what it took to do that mission, no matter what the way they're motivated for, right? No matter how special of forces those guys would be, and that really wasn't even a thing back then. Yeah. Like, they didn't have Navy SEALs or anything back then. Um, or even, like, the World War One equivalent. There was no such thing back then. Like, there was dudes who were successful at a lot of things, so you'd throw them at the toughest situations, right? But no one who specifically was supposed to be bigger, better, faster, stronger than the guys... That they were next to him in the trenches, right? No one who had specialized training for any of these things, really. Um, but if anyone was going to survive, it would be a guy like Schofield. But we don't know that that's who he is when you get started. But mm-hmm. then once you see what he goes through, it's like, oh, this guy has seen some shit. And it's not just, I've been in a trench and killed people and survived the Battle of the Somme. It's, this guy has legitimate skills at what he's doing. And the drive to get back home. Yeah, um, but it's funny because I was reading, I always enjoy when they do them for big movie releases on The Ringer, the exit surveys. I don't know if you saw mm. the one for this one. No, I haven't, no. Someone, they talked about, one of the questions they asked the t- round table was, do you think that if they, if their positions were switched, if, 
if it's Schofield who dies and Blake continues, would he have made it? And everyone was like, no chance. And one guy was 100%. like, one guy was like, absolutely, Blake would. Are you fucking kidding me? There is no. no way that babyface dude is doing that. And it's nothing against him. He is just not equipped. He has not seen the action. He has the drive, but the drive can only take you so far when you lack the skills and know-how. There was and a, the killer an interesting. There's an interesting thing there. Yeah, I, I agree with that stuff. That's definitely part. That's part of it. The other thing is his attachment was emotional, where Schofield's attachment became responsibility. Yes, it's it's about duty and honor. And, and like I and, told and, you that I was gonna write your mother. Now I have to. So I have to get through this and, so that I can like. <laughs> most crucially, though, survivor's instinct. Yeah, right? he is a survivor. He knows he really what is. he has to do, and he knows that if he ever stops, he will die. And Blake doesn't mm-hmm. have that. You have to have the, the fear of God put in you through bloody Get him war, some water. Right? Get him some water. That is what... That, that killed Blake, ultimately. Yeah. And that is that was a lack of survival. Uh, uh, Schofield said we should put him out of his misery. Now, it wasn't just because the guy was in misery. He also knows the risk. It was, it was twofold. It was... I think, you know, being a survivor, he's like... Well, fuck, I sure shit wouldn't want to be on fire. Right. right. You know? Um, and right. two, like, we're not in a position to be taking prisoners of war. Right. Um, yeah, it's, and it's, it's and given the, the, the opposite situation, that dude would probably kill us. Oh, my God. Which, you know, it's, it, he does. it's such an... Oh, my God. I can't... Every time, everything that we're going through makes me... Do, it, the movie is so intense. So intense. Well, as soon so, as they crashed and I could tell he was German, I was like, they better kill that guy because I'm... Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you think? He's just going to be like, thanks? So, Jesus Christ. We're back in the trench. We're uh, making our way towards the front line. We're going to get over. We're going to walk into no man's land, which we are, uh, get the impression that is, you know, they're going to die up there. But no, the Germans have retreated. No, they haven't. Shit's crazy. We, we don't really know. There's, there's definitely a level of doubt as the viewer that you have. Who do you believe in this situation? Uh, and we'll find out soon. But they get to the front line. That was the thing that was crazy to me, was when they walk through all the trenches, all the people sitting, hanging out, waiting. They get to the front line, and it's just bodies. It's just people dead. It's people pulling people out of mud. Horses uh, dead. Horses dead. It's crazy. Rats. Now, they, Rats they get to uh, my favorite character in the movie, uh, Lieutenant Leslie, <laughs> uh, who, who is played by Andrew Scott, who is, if Hot you're priest. not familiar with Andrew Scott... He is tremendous. He is Moriarty in the BBC um, uh, Sherlock show. He's the hot priest. He isn't is. He? he is hot priest in Fleabag. He is amazing, and he is genuine. Like he seems to be having the most fun of everybody in any room. Yeah. When you see him in, in anything, anyway, we get him, and this is why I, I. So getting 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 to his character, he was the one that displays the gallows humor. The the like in just. Absolutely perfect. They have been through hell. The first time you see him, hey, settle a bet for us. What day is it? <laughs> uh, Friday? This moron thought it was Tuesday. <laughs> well, the best part of that whole thing is hearing from off screen. Sorry, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. So then they talk to him. He's supposed to give them, uh, tell them like how to get, how to get over. He thinks it's ridiculous, reads his letter understands that he has to basically you know he's he's a military man he's following orders he's got his letter he tells him what to do 
pass through the gate. Uh, there's an opening in the gate in the barbed wire next to the bowing gentleman. Uh, that was lost on me the first time I saw the movie. I remember him he, saying, uh, "There's a there's a gap in the fence. It's behind the dead horse. It's the look the, the the back of the dead horse. You'll see it. You can't miss it." The, the, he he references the bowing gentleman. Yeah, and then they get up there. There is a soldier stuck on the barbed wire yeah. that's bent over and looks. And I was just like, "Oh my god!" The second time I watched, it, I was laughing when they saw that, and I was like, "I can't laugh right now. This is horrible." You know what's not? But fair? it's this is an anxiety-inducing movie from not quite start to finish because, like you said, the, the stakes seem not the highest at the very, very beginning, and then once they leave the trenches, it ratchets up big time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any actual worse anxiety than. Schofield accidentally grabbed the barbed wire. Uh, and I was like, oh, he's going to for sure lose that hand. <laughs> and then 90 seconds later, he puts it inside of a rotting corpse that is being yeah. chewed on by a rat. And I was like, yeah, like we're going to well, see dead. his hand turn green during the course of this movie, right? Like, right. what the right. fuck? I was like, oh, that is the that was horrible. thing I've ever seen. It is so horrible. The, uh, the, I, to the, the point the... where when he gets in the back of the truck after the farm. Yeah. And the guy gives him the whiskey. I was going like, to pour it on it. I was like, I wouldn't take a single sip of it. All of that would go in my hand. Yeah. In my hand. <laughs> Absolutely. So, <laughs> uh, uh, back to uh, to Leslie. He, uh, the last thing uh, that I'll say of him, which was was the one that really got me, that I thought was so funny. It was like, if you do, he's like, if you die out there, um, we're not going to be able to get you until until nighttime. Uh, yeah. That's the, that's what we'll look for you. Uh if by any chance if you do make it across fire a flare uh we don't have a flare gun well make yourself useful and get him a flare and he gets a flare also if you do decide to die out there could you throw that back if you you do get shot could you just try and throw it back towards us because i hate losing these things so good oh my god then yeah so then you get the running through going through that um going through no man's land for the first time watching that movie it's it, sweat, just sweat dripping down every part of me. Is well, I mean, I was sweat. I was already sweating the gangrene and black plague and whatever else he had in his hands. Stay away from the craters; they're bigger than you think. Yeah, they're, they're, deeper, they're deeper than you think, deeper and than you will think. not be able to get out of it. <laughs> so good. Uh, we finally get them across no man's land. They find the German trenches. Actually, while we're in no man's land, can we just yeah? What what were the horses for? How does one employ horses in trench warfare? Uh, so, I don't know. How, like, how long, like, when did the trenches become, like, like was there some sort of battle there and then they dug in? Like, no, I, I don't know. After the, 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 there's an initial battle that happens to a standstill and then they dig trenches and then they race. That is the entire history of World War One. is every time that they had a battlefield, the two sides would reach a stalemate, dig in, and then race to the coast via digging trenches. So the fights hmm. happen in parallel as the trenches are being built across. So, okay. like, unless you took, like, cavalry and tried to run around the trenches. Maybe that's what it was. But it's in the middle of the no man's land, inside right. of where the, 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 the barbed wire is. There is no utility for a horse in no The man's horses land. were there for just dramatic effect. Sure, I'm just... And listen... They probably was a real thing that happened in World One. I'm just wondering, what was your end game with the horse? Were you gonna leap over their trench and just like race to Berlin? Is that the plan? 
Dag's got it. <laughs> He's gonna take on the whole empire yeah, himself. Like, what, what's the end game with the horse in trench warfare? You're gonna run really quick to the trench and then get grease gunned in the fucking kidney? Like, I, what's the end game here? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 pretty terrible. Uh, I will actually circling back to uh, Schofield impaling his hand on the barbed wire. <sighs> Upon rewatch, it's actually so. Again, the mistakes and the and the bad things that happen are so human. Like, if you watch it, he's pulling the thing. He's nervously looking around. He doesn't, and you watch him. He doesn't have a good grip on it, yeah. and it flips back. And it's like just the attention to detail there. I think is really like sets the stage for the rest of the movie. Yeah, I felt that too in my hand. I was like, Ugh. yeah, oh yeah, both times I jumped. I grabbed oh, my hand and I started massaging it. Oh, God. Um, so we get across. We get to the German uh, trenches. Go inside. This is where we... F- where this is the second noticeable cut, I think. The first noticeable cut was probably when they were going through the trenches and the camera pans around a rock. That's one place that you can cut. That's fine. That's how you... That, would, that is probably how you, would, how you would handle that scene. The second one is when they're in the trenches and then they go underground... It goes black for a second as they're going into the darkness. Mm. That's also probably a perfect time to cut because, I mean, realistically, they didn't build that set underground in the real trenches that they built. They they built that set off off somewhere. I mean, I don't see why not, but yeah, it could be. It could honestly go. So, way. so the so that's that's another cut. We're go we're in there, and what's interesting There's is like another there, cut real quick after that too during the explosion and and them leaving the tunnel. Uh yeah, most likely. Uh, but they when they're in that trench though. Uh, when they're in the underground area, like admiring, like wow, like this is insane, like what they've built. Oh, there was so much jealousy in that. Fuck, yeah. man, we're sleeping under the trench. These dudes have beds in a yeah. tunnel. <laughs> Look at this, squeak, squeak, squeak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was in the bags? Uh, I'm assuming shit. Hmm. Why? I don't know. Oh, just uh, that's just your guess. Yeah, no, I'm assuming. It was like for lack of having latrines or whatever as they're cleaning up or whatever. Like I'm assuming it was shit, but I don't know. Uh, it could have been food, but like, why would they leave it behind? I don't know. They left some of the canned yeah. food behind. He says, "Whatever's the in dog, there, you're not going to want to eat it." So my first yeah. thought was, "Is it shit?" Yeah. Like they didn't have they didn't have toilets in there. So, uh, so now that we're in the trenches, we're in the we're in the bedrooms. This is the first. Uh, this is the first sequence of the universe working to help, and that is the rat. And we'll get to why the rat is important later. <laughs> but the rat blows up the goddamn bunker, and Schofield, you think, is dead. Basically, I thought he was. De- I, I I thought he could have been dead if I didn't see trailers, because he is buried under rocks. And uh, when he is uncovered, he's not breathing. <laughs> There's, there's no movement, uh, and he coughs out all the, all of the, all of the dust in the world gets coughed out of his lungs. <laughs> um, go, going through, we pull him out. Uh, he then empties his water to clear his eyes, which becomes a really sweet, sweet setup for later in the movie. And that's what I mean by the rat plays a role. Uh, <laughs> the rat's role was specifically to empty Schofield's canister, uh, which he will then fill with milk. Uh, <laughs> so when they when they finally Which, get the, out, I, you know what? I knew there was something bad going to happen to that farm, but my whole thought was: you remember they, they remember when they they first got into the trenches? He kicks over the thing, and the they're still coals. So the guy's yeah. clearly 
cleared out like less than an hour before they got there. Seems that way. Horrifying. Um, but when they get to the farm, he smells the milk and is able to ascertain that the milk is good to drink. Now, yes. If you're gonna leave milk in a pail out in the French countryside or Belgian uh-huh. countryside, did they ever actually say which country they were in? I think they said France. Okay, because the words were French, but that could have been in Belgium or oh, I f- I feel like they well, might so. have said France at one point, but I could be wrong. Yeah, um, I was assuming it was France as well, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. So that's why I was wondering if they if they knew. I was wondering if it could have been flashed across the screen when I first got there. I didn't see because I missed the very opening of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But shouldn't that have raised some questions that the milk wasn't spoiled? Yeah, probably. He did see the cow. Yeah, probably should no, have took a quick gander before he took another sip. Well, what I'm saying is, so you see the cow and you see the milk and you smell the milk. And the milk smells good. And so I was assuming someone was going to haul off and shoot one of the two of them because mm. I assumed there was someone hanging out there because if the milk's not bad, it must have been, you know, milked pretty recently. Right. Um, right. And that, I guess, turned out not to be the case, which is a little confusing, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... That, that, is a, that, that seems like a, maybe a, a little bit of a miss of, like, I don't really know what was going on in that situation. Yeah. I'm also really skeptical as to the methodology of using his terribly disgusting hands to scoop the cream <laughs> like the bucket probably wasn't too clean but it had to have been cleaner than his hands because yeah. one of them was inside of a german guy yeah yeah man yeah, it's gross it's gross as they're walking to that farm uh and blake is telling the story about the guy who got his ear bit off by a rat oh, great story great story uh what i love about this whole sequence of scenes of Walking to, hey, check the trees. Keep talking. Hey, look at this. Keep talking. Like, it's, this is the new normal for these guys, which is, I think that's what some of the most powerful stuff is like. They don't have a concept of, yeah, there's a yearning to go home, but they don't have a concept of that they'll make it, nor that this will actually end. Like, that's, it, it, and oh, it's just like, there's definitely no, there's no end in sight. Right. And they're just living in it. And it's, this, this it's is like terrifying. That. Life is getting blown up, walking through the French countryside. Hey, look, a cow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. Uh, so much so that... Oh, God, when, dog fight, and the plane is getting shot. Well, no, you know what I love about the dog fight? That's another thing. So casual. They're like, oh, wow, look at that. Who's winning? <laughs> I think we are. And they're just, they're just like watching it. And it's... I mean, you know, what do you do? Like, they couldn't help. No, I know, but the intensity of like... When like there's so much danger that you're desensitized. Oh yeah, for sure. And they're desensitized to like yeah, it's happening right above us. If it goes south, we could probably be seen. Like that's not even there because they were they were just blown up. (laughs) Which is funny too because like an hour earlier, remember they dropped down into the one of the little craters. Don't let them. Don't move. Don't let the plane see you until the planes pass by and. Oh, I think those were ours. Yeah. And now think. it's just, hey, who's winning? You yeah. know what it, <laughs> it reminded me of? Is, uh, is Zoolander when he walks into the, the bar at the coal mine? <laughs> who's winning the match, Pop? <laughs> What's the score? It's 0-0. Zero, zero. Who's winning? <laughs> State. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so the plane, we get the plane crash. We pulled the burning German out of the plane. Uh, moment of weakness. Blake's like, we should save him. Go get him some water. And off screen here in the... God 
No! That got me. Oh, yeah. Ooh, did I have a physical reaction. Well, the, wor- the worst part about it was they're pulling him out of the pl- the cockpit, and his legs are on fire, right? Yeah. Um, And as you're realizing, like, oh, those don't look like the same uniforms as his, but I don't know the rules in World War One. Maybe pilots wear different uniforms or whatever. And then you hear him mumbling. I was like, mm, pretty sure it's German. But as they're yeah. dragging him out of the cockpit, my first thought was, why does he need a knife that big? Mm. Um, so I had an inkling where that was going. I just didn't yeah. know. I just wasn't 100% sure who was going to get stabbed. Oh, I, so here's the thing. This well, is, man, once this Schofield is a... walked away, I knew who was getting stabbed. Oh, okay. But okay. The, what, my, when, I first, when my mind first registered the knife, both of them were dragging him out of the plane. So it was before Schofield walked away. From the get-go, I was like, I thought Blake would die. And the reason I thought that he would die was because of the trailers. There is a tremendous number of scenes in the trailer that is just Schofield. And I was like, oh, clearly we're going to go out on a mission with two guys. One of them's not going to make it. I've seen a lot of material with guy number two. So guy number one is probably going to eat it. See, the and then when the, the camera pans away from I guy can... number one, I was like, oh, guy number one's going to die. <laughs> the only thing I, I thought for sure that I could remember Schofield specifically being alone in was running through the trenches. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know, obviously, when that was going to happen. Uh, not knowing the whole point, point was that they had to do it before dawn of the next day, right? Right. Um, so I did have that inkling as well at first, but so much of the material was on your brother, save your brother, save your brother. You're naturally forced to kind of gravitate towards that character. And I agree. I assumed one of them was going to die too. So I was, I had this battle waging in my head like, okay, the brother's got to be the one to save the brother, right? Or find out that he's too late to save the brother, but save the rest of the men. Or... Is it going to be the guy that I see in the trailer? Um, mm. Neither of these guys seems super early in the movie. Neither of them seems super competent per se. And then you hear the one right. guy has fought and breathlessly talking to him. Oh my God, you saw, you were in the psalm. Like you got a medal, like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, this guy is super green. And the other guy is just slightly green. Um, and then it's like, oh no, he's actually a badass. Like he knows what he's doing. Well, to a certain extent he knows what he's doing, but he knows how to survive and he knows. Right. How to push it to the limit. He knows how to survive. You sell your metal for a bottle of wine. That's how you survive. Yeah. Well, that was that was that was some dark. That was it some was like, very dark. That was some Will Arnett Batman. No parents. Dark. Um, it is. It's just a piece of tin and a little bit of ribbon. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as dark soon as nice. Schofield walks to get no water, parents. I was like, like, "Oh no, Blake." <laughs> yeah. yeah. That uh. The killing when he when Scofield has to kill him that's uh, that's like a crazy intense scene as it's happening. The most horrible scene is Blake undoing his shirt to see what happened, and then the blood just starting to pour. And you know, like you get it, you've under you understand what's happening in this movie. You understand the situation as the viewer, as Scofield, you know that he's dead. Yeah, I mean, and- that first moment where you're hearing the yell, where you're hoping it's gonna be like. Schofield's got to try and shoot him as he's trying to stab him. And uh-huh. then you see, like, Blake moving away from him. And you're seeing, like, the three feet of knife coming out of him. And it's like, right, right. Ooh, and, and as it's no. coming out, you're like, he can be okay. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I was right. That knife really was way too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then the blood like and then the horrible, soul. horrible, horrible noises he makes. Now, here's two more things. Here's two more rewards that we need to dole out. One, supporting actor for that death scene is horrible. It's hard to watch because it's so realistic. And 
how about the the scene where he doesn't where he forgets what's happening because he's losing it he's losing a lot of blood he's starting to maybe that was i mean come on that's an oscar worthy performance right there in that one scene you know the one the scene that it reminds me most of and you know probably part of it is because it's a war movie or whatever but it's another one that's like like i always viewed as as very realistic as one that affected me deeply was um giovanni urbisi in in saving private ryan Mm-hmm. When they storm the machine gun nest, and and he's the you know he's the medic, and he's trying to explain to them what to do, and it's like they realize, oh fuck, there's really nothing we can do, and it's you know it's not a super long scene, but it is a couple of minutes long, and it feels like it's way longer than it is. Mm-hmm. That scene was really you know I was like, oh, that one that one got to me. And this that would one, be this a, that one. would be a good movie to dive into one day. That's a it's a tough watch because there's it another is. death scene in that one that I at, all these years later I just can't watch it. It's the scene where Mellish gets stabbed in. Um, That's hard. It's it's it makes me physically sick actually. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> fair. Uh, so he man, um, see so he starts to forget. He's like, oh, he's like, what are those embers? Are we being shelled? And that conversation is so dark and 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 so innocent of like plane crash into the barn, like. And just like trying, just talking calmly about like what's actually happening to like Schofield talking to Blake about what's happening. Uh, and here's another Oscar to give out makeup and effects. How in a single cut does he go completely pale? Yeah. I don't understand. Like, that's that is some crazy stuff. Like, it's subtle, it's slow. And eventually, the man has no color in his face. Well, especially because, you know, he's dragging him one way. He's dragging him the other way. He can't stand up. It's, you know, we'll put pressure on this and then we're talking through it. He's, you know, and it's all of a sudden you're looking at him because it gets quiet for a second. It's like, oh, he's sheet white all of a sudden. Yeah. And then it's, am I dying? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, my God. Also, like, like, what, like, like what are you supposed to say? Like, no, the, like, yeah. just like, the, no, the honesty. Yeah, like it, it's so it, the honesty that Schofield, like he's. I don't know. There's something special about that performance, about Schofield's performance. Uh, which was it, George McKay? Like, uh, I, I, I think I, it's I actually pronounced Mackay. Mackay? Because that's, that's how Fallon said it when he introduced him. I was trying to find him saying it himself, but I couldn't find... Mm. I wasn't going to spend an hour looking for it, so... Um, but um, yeah, it's weird. I was, I was going back for... I actually looked up the pronunciation because I wasn't sure if it was Mackie or McKay, and I, I mm-hmm. think it's Mackay. Yeah, well, he does... Either one of him deserves an Oscar. <laughs> also, as, since this is kind of the last we'll talk for real about uh, Blake, did you know? I didn't know until we were walking out of the movie. Dominic said something. <laughs> did you know he's Tommen from Game of Thrones? I did. I did know he was Tommen. And I, the irony was not lost on me that uh, Schofield had to tell uh, Robert that Tommen died. <laughs> yeah, right. That was, that was a circle one. Well, it's funny because you knew Colin Firth was in it. I had heard Mark Strong was in it, but I didn't see him in any of the trailers. And there was one, not all of the trailers, but one of the trailers had a quick shot of Benedict Cumberbatch. But when it got to the point where you think he might legitimately finally get to meet the brother, um, I'm like, okay, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? I had no idea it was Richard Madden. I was like, oh, that's kind of really cool. But I know some people said it was immersion breaking for them. I mean, they always do that in war movies. It's always someone... There's always a lot of famous roles in like super small. Look at Saving Private Ryan. There's like 30 dudes that you know in that movie. I don't think that it. I, I feel like it's not immersion breaking. Actors are in movies. I don't like 
What? Like, That's like, a stupid thing. Like, if he showed up in a fur coat like Rob Stark, it would be immersion-breaking. Like, sure. He's, he's if he was, If he one. was Rob Stark, yes, immersion-breaking. <laughs> no, it was, yeah, there's a dire wolf and a sword on his hip. Like, he, <laughs> he's wearing the same uniform as the rest of the guys, and... Stupid. Like, I, I don't know. It's it's Richard Madden. He can't always be Rob Stark. He's actually carving out a pretty successful career for himself as an actor. Like, he... He's a pretty good actor. He's that show that he has uh, was it Bodyguard or something like that is mm. a really well regarded show. Um, he was in an, another like mini series somewhere. He was in Cinderella. He got to play Prince Charming. He's in a fucking Marvel movie as one of the leads. Uh, I know it's an ensemble, but like he's one of the leads. Dude's making moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want some immersion breaking, I would have been okay with when the bridge was out and the, the convoy had out. to go off. It well that or if Mark Strong as they were driving away just went country road. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it would have been perfect. You know, the funny thing was that. I saw people complaining about Colin Firth. I saw people complaining about Benedict Cumberbatch. I saw people complaining about Richard Madden. I was like, have you guys ever seen a war movie before? Because this is every war movie ever. There's always someone who's super what are you famous. Com- yeah, playing a small what's role. What's the complaint in a war movie. though? Uh, that it was immersion breaking. Don't put someone it's- super famous. Uh, I just see Rob Stark. The only one who isn't, and part of it is just because he's a great actor, um, is Mark Strong would be the least immersion-breaking of all of them because mm. he totally owns that specific role. That unyielding, you know, he's come with us, and he's still sitting with Blake's corpse, and that was an order, soldier. I was like, oh, shit, can you give him a second? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, man. Like, dead best friend in his hands. Like, holy shit. And, yeah, well... But then he, you-, you see he softens after that, and he gives him legitimately important advice delivers it with more care but you understand they're on a schedule like hey like hop to it kid like we got i actually don't believe that that delivery was because of the schedule more so it was he didn't know how to how to convey the message just yet but he says it later on i'm telling you what you already know but it doesn't do well to dwell on it yeah i you're right part of it was a let me jolt you out of this because otherwise we're gonna risk losing you too yep um but uh uh, it doesn't make it unkind, you know. <laughs> yeah, oh no, for sure. So getting into that, the scene where this is again like living in the like living in this the the scene where he's on the truck and they are all joking and they're doing the voice of like I guess their commander. I don't know what his what his that role or great. title. It was well, really it silly. Because well, I don't even think it was Mark Strong that they were doing right. It was some. Other... No, no, no. It was the other guy that was in the car that Mark oh, was Strong was reporting okay. to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I thought was really really funny and. Uh, again, like I said, there's a little bit of levity. There's a little bit of like, this is the norm. This is a reg- day in the life. Like, this is what this is what our life is like. And them going like back and forth and like well, when two, they- twofold too because it's something you could see present day soldiers like on like a base in like North Carolina doing. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. guys who aren't in the middle of war. Like oh, like who's got the best impression of Captain whatever? Right. You know what I mean? Right. People are still people. Yeah. Yeah. And. So when the when the truck wheel goes in the mud, and they all get out, or he, uh, Schofield's like, get out! Like everybody's got to get out. We got to, and he's like trying. He's trying to do it by himself. He's got a cu- couple of like the, of the people that probably have as strong a character as he are the ones that immediately join him to help him, and then the rest of them that like, eventually like, acknowledge that like it's go time and like we're a troop, we're brothers. We have to do this together, and like they get it done because this man is in need. And like, it's funny because it. It, it, it's funny because at first I thought like someone one of them was gonna be like, listen, like sure I'm a private and you're a lance corporal, so like you outrank me, but also you can go fuck yourself. Um, yeah. 
I'm not in any rush to go get killed right now. The mm-hmm. longer this truck sits in the mud, the longer I'm alive. Right. But, but on, it, it, on it the goes other the hand, other route of they see him, they see, like, what is, like, they, because they get it. They're that, going that through level it, of too. Des- that level of, well, but not level of desperation. It's like, oh, what is this guy here doing? Because mm-hmm. they don't know at that point. They, it's only when they get the truck out and they get back in the truck, they ask, what are you doing? Yeah. I like uh, when uh, he when he gets off the truck and he says "good luck," and the one that's kind of a douche the whole time goes, "keep some of that luck for yourself." <laughs> and I, yeah, yeah, goes, I think you're gonna need it. Keep some. Yeah, of that luck for <laughs> I was like, that's yeah. a good. That's a good line. Uh, we get from there. Uh, he does. Uh, Schofield decides to cross the bridge. Uh, he climbs up on the railing, and there's something really beautiful about that scene of him crossing the railing right before he gets shot. There's a, there's a moment of innocence where he's it's almost childlike. It's almost you balancing on a curb or yeah, something he, like that. Yeah, it looked like, you know, anytime you were the first, like one of the first times you were like, or you're not a daredevil, but you're going to do kind of a daredevil-y thing. That's uh, in like the grand scheme of things, not mm-hmm. that big of a thing. But like right. for you, it's like, oh, I've never done this before, but like if I could do this, it'd be pretty badass. But I think what's um, what's beautiful about that scene, it's the actual first time that he's alone. Yes. Like is when he's walking on that, the and arm it's, of that it's also bridge. where he finally gets to show his true quality right and it gets intense and you know he gets shot at he he fires back aggressively fires back the that's another thing not done nearly well enough in movies just missing like just missing the shot like it's I, I just feel like it was done really well here like he's anxious he's scared he's breathing deep he's holding his he's trying to control himself he but misses the, a few before time, he figures it out at the same time, you can see he's attacking it with a plan. Yeah. Which, and that's why I was like, when someone, like that person said that Blake could do it, Blake would have got sniped the second he got off that bridge if he was able, able to get across like the bridge at all to begin with. Like, yep. And sure, there was some luck involved in him not getting hit, although the crisscrossing, um, you know, bands of metal in front of him helped, gave him some cover, right? Sure. Like, it's tough to shoot through that and hit a target. Um, but just have that, that, and then firing, and then like breathing, and then That's firing. What I'm he and he bre- had a cadence to waiting for the shot, going yep. up with two shots, going up with one shot. Like you said, the breathing to knowing he needs to calm himself to, to get a shot anywhere near it. To to you know how long's it? And then he and then he climbs up the stairs. Right, he opens the door quietly so he doesn't hear him enter, hoping he can get the element of surprise. Mm-hmm. Ready to go, kicks the door down, and it's all done. Like this guy has done this before. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, yeah, he's he's doing the actor, and again, give the man an Oscar. The actor is doing two parts at the same time of one doing the physical acting of instinct while doing the facial expressions and emotional acting of what, what's actually going on inside of his head. And the two are ultimately at odds with each other, but the instinct is taking over the physical part of his body. Yes, as he does. The way that he goes, approaches the house, or the, the tower, gets in, gets ready to enter the room. The way he even holds the rifle, there's muscle memory there, right? Yeah. It looks like someone who's been in this situation before, and it's where you finally realize, oh, this guy might have a chance. He's not nearly as green as we were maybe led to believe by these two, like, nobody's getting sent out on this mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, it's crazy. Now, this is where we get our first uh, very clear, maybe second very clear cut, mm-hmm. uh, and that is the knockout scene, which is great because the the whole point of it is to advance the time of day. I saw people were confused by that scene. He very obviously got shot in the head, but the helmet saved him. 
And you get when you get hit when you get shot in the head when you have a helmet on, you get a concussion if it doesn't like pierce your skull. Sure. Like, it, it not it it knocked him back and then he smacked his head on the ground without the helmet and that knocked him unconscious. Like so. People were confused by that. People he... were, because that's what I thought happened, and when I said that, I was looked at like I was crazy. I mean, you hear, you see the shot, you see his head jerk back, and then you see bleeding, but only in the back of his head where he cracks his head on the, the platform the, at the well, bottom of the stairs. The only other thing that I could have considered was if maybe uh, the, the, the shot actually hit the door, and the door flung into him, which pushed him back down the stairs. That's the only other thing that I could have seen, but I thought, well, it, all I I thought he got the... shot. All I know is the scene starts with the helmet on, and as he's falling down the stairs, he right, has the helmet right. on. His head jerked yeah. back. I'm pretty sure there was a ding sound too. That's what I. That's what I'm sure. saying. That's what I, I. I'm with you. I agree with you 100. percent I didn't think it was I really much happened. to interpret in that scene. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, I saw it twice, and I could say that I couldn't. I was looking for it the second time, and I couldn't fully make it out. I don't think it's that important, but no. that's my guess of what's actually yeah, like what the case is. Now, from here. It, we get into the, our first nighttime sequence of the movie. Well, I will say, I was a little confused, right? Because they got to the farmhouse, and it didn't seem like it was that far. And then they're in the truck, and it's not 100% sure how long they're in there. But they're driving for a, a little bit. It felt like they were driving for five minutes. Obviously, they played a little bit with the passage of time, because mm-hmm. they said they were going to have to travel nine miles, which they said would hopefully take six hours. And sure, there was a couple of little breaks, but nothing too substantial, and it's hard to tell how long real real time was supposed to be. So yep. I was kind of under the impression we crossed the bridge that he was halfway there. But he's like basically there. Because he's in a coast. He's and it's cl- like he's close. Oh yeah, you have to go like another mile past a coast. And it's like, oh. Yeah. And he had no idea he wasn't even in the town. Like when they dropped him off, like, oh we can't cross here. We're gonna have to go to this mile, this bridge like six miles down. It's like at some point, like while they're having that conversation, wouldn't you think that he'd be like, by the way, this is a coost. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh hey, I I I thought he knew. I thought well, Schofield he, knew. He doesn't know until he talks to the French girl. Oh, he, no, he doesn't know where the, where the river and the trees are. No, he says, is, he goes, is, is this a coost? And she's, or, she, or he says, uh, I'm looking for a coost. And she says, this is a coost. And he goes, oh, well, where's the river? And it's right on the edge of town. Oh, oh I, okay. I, I misunderstood that. I thought he was asking about, I thought he knew where he was. I thought he was, I thought he was turned around and didn't know where the river and the trees were. I think that's what he asked. Well, about. he didn't. You're right. Um, but the way he says it, it doesn't sound like he's asking for confirmation that this is a coost. It sounds like he's asking, oh. where the hell am I? And she's like, this is a coost. He's like, oh, this is a coost. <laughs> Great news. Like, uh, that's, that's actually kind of funny. So, we, oh, but, so let's talk about then. Yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah. I, I know. No, 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 no. It's fine. So from from what, from the wake up, we got the scene that you talked about earlier, where the camera goes out the top window, really, cool and he come and he comes from underneath, and which is really cool. Um, this is probably the most, maybe the second most beautifully shot scene of the flares going off, the darkness and the light, and then him running and like the, getting highlighted and running and running from bullets that he doesn't know where they're coming from, and like it's just real. It's like a fireworks show. It should be kind of beautiful, but it's actually terrifying. It, well, I, I actually had a note about that too. I found it. I think there's some metatextual stuff going on too, especially in the beginning of that scene because mm. as the camera comes up, you know, through that window, and you see him walking down the avenue. And you're starting to see the fire out in the distance, right? I'll walk along the avenue. <laughs> um, I thought that those visuals and the nighttime sequence and acoustic were like really haunting. Like, yeah, it conjures up like 
like a spectral like graveyard thing because like it's literally like the crumbling bones of this once living town mm-hmm. and like the flames are backlighting it and it's like like I think like it's like spectral or like supernatural is like an important way to look at it because it's literally kind of underscoring his journey through hell yeah like his own personal journey through hell and now there's literally everything is on fire all the death around him is now includes this dead town too yeah and it looks like a dead and decaying town just like everything else that he's seen so far um and like you said it's beautiful but it's haunting and ultimately terrifying and that's one of the two times that the music really swells mm-hmm. and we haven't really talked too much about the music and the score and that's uh, between this scene and then the one where he's running in the trenches later, um, I thought it was really great. I guess we can get to that more once we get to that scene. Yeah. So the, the balance of like knowing when to use the music and when to just cut it out entirely is like, it's master craftsmanship, I feel like. That that was I, something that I, I put down that I thought was really important. Is This is, maybe it might be like the first time that I've ever really thought about the match between like the director and the composer and like the conscious choice between like like we we know how important like director and and composer can be right like Lucas mm-hmm. and, and Williams or Spielberg and Williams or Nolan and Zimmer or whoever yeah. um but in this case there's so much of it was kind of like dark ominous tones but not the whole mm-hmm. movie like there was long stretches of it and there's some like subtleties added in a little bit of a flair occasionally but then those underdone moments accentuate how strong the crescendo in the town as he's leaving and then right in the sequence where he's running up like adjacent to the trenches where they really choose to belt it out makes it that much more gripping and powerful right agreed yeah i thought that was really really cool i've never thought about that sort of strategy of picking your spots before a movie as being as being like a like kudos to you guys for realizing less is more at this stage is showing restraint yeah more is more than mm-hmm. absolutely uh so when he when he's running through the town with the fireworks let me t- did you get the same feeling that i did where like if this movie was a video game this would be the point where it's like hit x now and like he like jives onto the floor quick time and then it's like <laughs> it's and it's like mash b as you're like you're running away from the guy with the gun like that scene where the guy is standing there in the fire and it's almost like you're like, what the hell's going on? But if you just take a minute to think about it, the man is concussed. Like he's <laughs> he's in a fog. He doesn't know. He's honestly he is hoping so much that it is not a threat. <laughs> he just he can't deal with it being a threat right now. And I'll then it honest, is, I, and he has to I, deal. I felt like I was in his shoes too because I'm like, who lit that building on fire, and why, and who is that dude standing in front of it? I can't see what uniform he's wearing. Mm-hmm. Is he? A friend, foe, neutral, I don't know. Uh, and he's shooting at us. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was also right. wondering, like, he's just sitting there looking at him. And I'm like, honestly, I would have just shot him. Like, even if it ended up being friendly fire, I, I probably would have shot him. Yeah. You're so close to your goal. Yeah. And you're so out of time because you've been unconscious for a couple hours. True. True. Uh, luckily, that man trips. And then we get introduced to the only female character in the movie, aside from pictures, uh, which was a, I think that's a, it's such a great moment of just slowing down for a minute because you really need it at this point. Like you need to take a breath. And like, this is where like all that universal alignment stuff comes into play. We're like, 
she's taking care of this baby that's not her baby and doesn't really know what to do but is she's also a survivor they get along on like this level that you can't really explain because they're both survivors I was and a then, worried though when he sits down with his back to her. I was like, "Oh, don't do anything stupid." No, I no, like, I, I, I really don't want him to have to like kill you or something. I didn't get that vibe at all. So fucked up. Well, no, because you can see he's nervous. Yeah, and I'm like, that made me nervous. And I was like, sure, fuck, like don't nobody do anything stupid. Everyone just calm down. Uh, then uh, so then we get to the point of like the the baby needs food he's, she's like uh, he and he like unloads his pack he's like i've got all this food and she's like he needs milk uh, she needs milk and he's like <gasps> literally seeing milk? the light bulb go yeah. off over his head <laughs> i have milk and he get and he gives the gives the milk and she smells it and she's like shocked and there's uh there i think there's something beautiful in the scene of her going do you have kids or i think do you have a girl whatever she says and you know there's no answer. Like he doesn't answer. You know the answer is yes. You you know that he has this connection because he is he is he linking back to home through this child. And yeah, I didn't I didn't 100 percent get that until like after the movie because he's looking at his pictures, but everything was so bloodstained, confused, whatever. Like you don't see any like uh, I didn't really click for me. I was like, oh, when he talked about visiting his family, he wasn't just talking about visiting his parents. Like he's. He's got a family. He's got his own family too. Yeah. Like, shit. Yeah, that is fucked up. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's intense. So it's just really, it's a really beautiful. And I think what it, it's funny because in that moment, he has everything that they need, and he gives it to them, and it saves them maybe for a little bit longer, if not saving them completely. And they are everything that he needs. They he needs he needs one more kick because he is spent beyond belief, and I think that relighting the like the thought of his family and his life at home and the responsibility that he feels to Blake after the promise that he made it like I feel like that it triggered like re-triggered all that because it got knocked out of him when he was shot in the face like <laughs> he's uh and like he gets his second wind and he runs and he runs and he runs and he jumps and it's so funny to see him take that leap of faith and feel relieved that even if he's jumping off a cliff it's better than what he's running from can we talk about how those German soldiers are have worse aim than stormtroopers? Yes. Because Well, they're drunk and it's nighttime. Well, some of them were drunk, not all of them. <laughs> um, but sure, it's nighttime and you know, I'm sure the quality of their weapons weren't as good as ours, but he's running down hallways. Mm. There's only so far you can miss him to either direction, you know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of got the impression that maybe they were all partying a little bit on account of there was a few trips. Sure, um, but you know they're running in the dark too and sure. uneven terrain like cobblestones that had been blown up. So you know yeah. it's it, the footing probably wasn't one hundred percent great. I'm just saying they're chasing him down hallways essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, th- there's only so far left and right. He, like if he's running in a field, you know there's. A lack of depth perception, right? Because you don't have like things that you can reference mm. against him, and he can move in any direction as far as he wants. You're shooting down a hallway that's like eight feet wide. It's kind of mm. hard to miss in, the, yeah. <laughs> in that circumstance, yeah. Yeah, you true. know. That's true. I mean, they are firing from the knees. Have you noticed that? The first guy who was chasing him, yes. <laughs> that dude was not even firing from the hip. You're right. He was firing from, you know he, where he was firing from? He was firing from that place that the guitars were disturbed place from. 
Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Is it Dan absolutely. Dugan or something like that, yeah. right? Yeah. I remember the first time I saw the video of them Donigan, playing. Donegan, I think. Donegan, yeah, so whatever right. it was. Like, he holds the guitar like the way I imagine like a gorilla would hold it. Mm. And I'm like, how does he not drop it while strumming the guitar? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand how that works. <laughs> tremendous. Oh, my God. All right, so he's flowing down the river, and uh, they do that. They do a very dramatic move the camera directly towards the rock, and you think, well, he's dead. Uh, and then he doesn't. You know, he sw- he swoops past it, makes his way out, and he's he hears after, some... After falling off of a, of a waterfall. pretty substantial drop, yep. probably a good 20-foot yep. waterfall. The uh, walking through the woods, hearing a, a kind of song being played as he's like, as the fog increases as he's kind of waddling towards this group of people. And I then totally just thought that that sound was in his own head, too. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually sits down at that tree. And the way they swoop that camera around while that guy's singing, that's a, another very powerful scene. And him getting his third wind of <laughs> when he's like, I need to find the second Evans. And they're like, what? <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> and he says it again. Yeah. And and then he like jumps up and he's like starts running through the trenches and then again we have that uh, perspective from the from the beginning of the movie where it seems like they're very far away from it but realistically the fight is two feet to the left like it's like they're so close and he's like running through and then and then it dawned on me in the after where he speaks to the first person I was like I know that like they kind of set Mark Strong kind of set it up but what if they just don't listen to him Yeah, I was thinking that the whole time like. For a lot of the movie, I'm like, how does he do that? Is it, someone take me to the colonel and can you make sure you're standing with me when I talk to him? Yeah. You know, is he just going to happen to like stumble upon him and like he's going to have someone clap him in irons? Like what's, right. what's the situation going to be like? Is he, because then he's like screaming it at that dude who's standing on the little podium like yeah. orders to his men and I'm like, is this the colonel or is it? Not the colonel because when I he's, guess he's got enough of an audience now and yeah oh, well, when he's okay. when he's yelling at that guy I was like every other soldier is like wait I I hear you I know I'm supposed to say Gordon and stuff what that what's that guy saying <laughs> can we get back to this let's seems, not attack today that thing? seems relevant that whole not yeah let's not do this <laughs> it's you know what it's like Very um, solid plan B it's like that you know that the thing when you're like a kid and you're at like a party or something like that. And, like, your mom told you you can't do something. And then, like, 30 seconds later, one of the other parents tells you you definitely can do that thing. <laughs> it's like, you have that moment of, fuck, mom said I can't. But that's an adult, too. And they seem totally cool with it. Like, not even, like, a go ask your mother. Like, no, no, no. You go do that and have fun. It's like, I really want to. <laughs> but I'm not sure I should. That's a great... But I'm going to. This is <laughs> <laughs> so, the same thing. Okay. Captain said I have to go die in like 45 seconds. Second whistleblow. But that guy said the general says I don't have to. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to side with the general, except Captain's giving me a look right now. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we get him to the front line. He's going through. He meets up the next person who's asking information for who is just sobbing uncontrollably. Oh, actually, that's the third person he meets. The second one's like, he's that way. Uh, and he's, th- you know, that guy's thinking, should we wait? 
because uh, he's you know he's being realistic and then he meets the third person who is who is sobbing uncontrollably and kind of just kind of points doesn't really give him information that he needs uh and then proceeds to just explode in oh, the next it, was two he seconds. one of the ones who exploded oh yeah the bomb okay. hits like right behind schofield as he's walking away from that guy yeah. and then there's just people laying in the trench yeah it's true um anyway that's when we get our ridiculous scene of him deciding to climb up onto the hill and the other guy going what are you doing that was that was so you crazy like, guy <laughs> it was again like he climbs up to the edge of the trench he looks around down the trench and he looks across and he looks back at the sergeant and then he looks back across <laughs> and the guy's like no and he takes another, dogs he takes another like, step and he goes no <laughs> yeah it reminds me of my dogs when they're like like, I see them, like, stalking towards, like, a piece of food on the ground. Yeah. Like, no. And they're looking at me. They're looking back at the food. And they're looking back at me. I'm like... Yep. You know that I'm looking at you, it's right? Exactly like exactly what is happening You're not being sneaky. I'm actively telling you don't do that. And it's like, yeah, but I'm, I'm gonna... Yeah. <laughs> so, then, then he starts running. We get the tremendous scene from the trailers. And the scene that we were giving a lot of weight to earlier, which is just really an incredible scene. Uh, just amazing sequence. Especially when you just think, like, not only in execution, but if you think about the logistics of actually shooting that scene, it really is crazy, like, of how they did that. Yeah. Uh, and then a horrible fear that I didn't even realize before it happened of... What if somebody stops him from going inside? <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> He's there. He's two feet away, and he can't deliver the message. That really, well, that's good. Well, me. you know, considering how often before that he goes general orders, you know what I mean? Like, he gets, the guys, you're not getting there. I guess, yeah, but I have to. And they're like, yeah, but you're not going to. Motherfucker, the general sent me here myself. I'm going in there. Yeah. Like, and yeah. he doesn't say it at that point. And I'm like, dude. You're about to get hauled out and never deliver this fucking message. Like, holy shit. And then he's just like, psych. And just like, <laughs> like greased up deaf guy gets out of there and like yep. runs into the thing. <laughs> and then uh, inevitably, uh, Benedict doesn't want to stop, doesn't believe what he has to say. And then eventually he first, gets into First listen. of all, can we talk about how someone called him Benedict Cumberstash in this role? And I was like, you know what? I felt that. I'll allow it. <laughs> uh i'll still never forget the time where i was uh i was going to see the imitation game oh such a great and movie it's me and me and kim we we're going to see the movie and uh there were these two ladies on two old ladies in online in front of us to buy tickets and uh one of them goes well what do you want to see because they hadn't decided yet and the other one goes i heard the paddington bears was pretty good and the other lady goes but that other movie's got that Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Actually, I believe it was something like Benjamin Cabbage Patch. But it's, oh, it's still, <laughs> it was it was really sweet, and I was just like, I don't, I like, I know we're here for a specific reason, but I would like to go to the movies with these two old ladies. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great story about Benedict Cumberbatch. I think the favorite one that I remember was, I think he was doing some interview, and they asked him if he knew about his fan club. And he said no, and they said, "Well, it's a bunch of women who are a big fan of yours, and they call themselves the Cumber Bitches." <laughs> and his delight at finding out that he had a fan club, let alone that it was called that, and also just absolute humiliation. <laughs> That's amazing. That's tremendous. 
So uh, he doesn't really want to accept that this guy has orders. And then, but I, you know what I love is we get him for maybe, I don't know, like 45 seconds of screen time, like combined. And there's so much going on there of it's not so much that he doesn't want to take the orders. Obviously, he doesn't want to go to war. He's more tied up in the fact that they're like, yeah, they're saying stop now and they're going to tell me to go tomorrow. And I'm not going to do that to all of these guys. Like, yeah. I'm going to let, I basically, like, feels like he's doing them a service of letting them go tonight like it, it's really it's very it's gonna be boring. worse to wait you know what i mean like, yeah, yeah it's hard to watch it's a great scene uh then I, the guy, I was worried too after like what after what mark strong said yeah i was like sure. oh he's gonna be one of these gung-ho like dolce at the type of guys like he's he doesn't care if he dies and they all die today like it's gonna be for her majesty and the glory, right, you know right. what I mean? I was like, oh, he's gonna, he's a conquering hero type. And after an initial protestation or two, he's like, no, 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 like, general, like, let her just read it. Then you can go attack if you don't want to. And all right, I made you read the letter. Yeah. Fair and enough. The, you know, whatever. I guess we're not attacking today. Uh, the, the, you know what? I really felt, too. <sighs> I was hoping today was going to be a good day. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was rough. They, uh, I, I also like the, he basically tells him to fuck off. Tells Schofield to fuck Not off. Not basically, he literally tells him yep. to fuck off. And then the other guy is waiting outside to tell him, like, you did a good job. It's a good major. Yeah, That dude was from that show Blunt Talk that, um, it took me a minute to recognize him because he's wearing a helmet. Um, <laughs> that show Blunt Talk with, uh, what's, with Patrick Stewart that was on sh- uh, Showtime or Stars or whatever for a couple of years. That was a good show. It's a fun show. A little, little odd. It was mm. kind of like a much weirder, ever so slightly more British version of the newsroom. Oh, okay. It was a good time. It was, you know, 20 half-hour episodes. If you ever have time that you want to crush through something that's a little weird, pretty funny, it was a good show. I miss that show. So we're at the close of the movie, and it's really interesting to think about it in this perspective. It's like all of this crazy stuff that this guy went through. All of a sudden, in a weird way, it dawns on me. Now the hard part, like, yeah. and like, and it, and they really, they really sell that. Like that is the case when he's face to face with Blake's brother and has to tell him. It took it takes him a while to find him. There's a good chance that he's actually already dead. Uh, and then in that moment of like, he hears the guy and like asks, and it's him, and he starts talking to him. Like, it's just. I don't know, it's like serendipitous. It's so strange, like that it actually works out in this situation that he can deliver the message. The, the, the worst part about it is there's kind of one of those be careful what you wish for situations because you can see this kind of like a rising panic of, oh, I came all this way. and Like a dog chasing a car. <laughs> yeah, like, um, well, well, first there's the I came all this way and he's, fuck, I was, I was late. Like, I know I saved a bunch of guys, but I didn't save everyone. All these dudes here are already getting operated on. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of dead and injured people already, you know, maybe half of them. I don't know. Um... If I went through all of this and I couldn't even save Blake's brother, how fucked up is that going to be? And there's that desperation of, please let him be okay, please. And then it's like, oh, he's okay? It's like, fuck, well, now I gotta tell him, which... Yeah, so I have some news. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, it's... That's, an int- that's a beautiful and intense scene. Uh, and Blake's brother coming to terms with it. And, like, it's it's a, it's a roller coaster of being overwhelmed with emotion of like my brother's dead and just the respect of this guy like he didn't have to he didn't have to finish that part of the mission but he did it like there's just so much there and that there's everything is in that handshake yeah 
It's really, it's really well done. And what I love about it is after telling him, after delivering the message, finishing his mission, going off, sitting by the tree, taking out the picture, it's, it does this weird thing of like, this is the beginning of the movie. This is back to the beginning. Like this is, again, we've been talking about this this whole time and somehow it's still hard to believe this is just his life right now. Like this is what he's, he's living this. And also, like it was Groundhog's like super, Day. It was like super important too, like because there was a couple of times where he made a show of making sure that case was okay. Yeah, but never op- like you know, like opening it, seeing what's in it, like yep, what, what could possibly be in there that's so important, and for him to sit down and sh- sh- just pictures of his family. And like you said, yeah. yeah, it's that you know time is a flat circle, like you know ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Another day's over, and here I am sitting against a tree with horrendous things about to happen in my very near future once more after horrendous things happened to me in my very recent past yeah the the only thing they could have like that, that would have made it slapstick but almost could have driven the point home uh <laughs> would be if if you hear from off screen pick a man and report to so and so and this person <laughs> over yeah. and grabs his hand <laughs> that yeah it's a it's an intense movie i absolutely tremendous and just deserves just so many awards. <laughs> I agree. It's 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 a hell of a movie. Um, it absolutely is worthy. And I was saying last week, I thought that maybe this was a weaker field of things, and maybe that's not true. Once we we get through all of them, mm-hmm. like I said I'm really excited to see Parasite. I don't know if we'll Same. be able to do. I don't think we'll have enough time to do an actual episode on that before the Oscars. But we'll talk about it in our in our Oscars episode because what we have next week is probably going to be Bad Boys. I actually won't be seeing Bad Boys until the end of next week, so maybe we could do Parasite. Oh, okay. Next week. Well, next week and a week from today. The, but then the week after that is going to have to be our Oscars episode. Something like that. Which means Bad Boys is going to have to be after the Oscars. Just fine. Uh, sure. I'm just you know, yeah from a planning standpoint, yeah, so yeah. we yeah, we'll don't fuck it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm done. But yeah, um, cool. this movie was a hell of a movie. Um, and was. what I think one of the, the most important ones, he wasn't even nominated, is, in, is incredible. But for, for all the other things, for score, for cinematography, for direction, for picture, for all these things, um, it's a worthy candidate for all of those. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in the Six at spintune.com or tweet us at the Spintune. Until next week, I'm Anthony Casanzo. I'm Al Bielsi. Thanks for coming out. Witcher Watch. I was expecting you to play us into Witcher Watch again. <laughs> oh, I I thought about it, but it's like one o'clock in the morning, and I don't want to wake up, Kim. <laughs> oh, fair. <laughs> but uh, instead, I will give you a mmm, <laughs> <laughs> Witcher Watch 2.0. So, Al, I hear you finished The Witcher. Yes, after some trials and tribulations of my own. Um, You've watched my journey The is Witcher. Complete. Uh, and now your Witcher watch has ended. <laughs> yes, my, watch, my Witcher watch has ended. Um, Amazing. What did you think? <laughs> yeah, so we, we left off last week. I had watched the first five episodes, including the final one being 
the one where Yennefer and Geralt's timelines finally collapsed together. Yep. Um, so the sixth episode was them going on a dragon hunt. How fun was the dragon hunt? That was a hell of an episode. I'm a little sad because I guess it might be the final time we see Askir. Um, but, you know, despite the fact that the passage of time never really seemed to register on his hair or face. Right. We've had a a long time with him in show years. Yeah. Um, like 15 or so years. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and he got some good moments in that, although he gets sidelined for a big portion of it. But him, him hitting on the two warriors... So silly. ...sisters was great. So silly. It's just a... It's like it has all of the comedy of like the fun scenes from A Lord of the Rings. Yes. And it's like it also has vibes of you playing D&D with friends. Yeah. yeah. It's just It just really is... The, it's just so fun. I love that episode so much. It's so entertaining. It was great. There was some good stuff. There was some some great banter between him and uh, I don't remember the sisters' names, but they rhymed. Um, yeah, I don't remember. Was it Borch? Was that his name? Sir? Was it Sir Borch? Lord Borch? Something like that? I yeah, I don't I don't remember names. You know me. The, the guy who uh, actually tests him to come join their dragon hunt. I love how he's totally out. Oh, but these are going to be our competition. There's those dwarves and there's uh, you know those reavers and there's uh, those guys over there and. Oh hey yeah that uh, that chick over there I'm in <laughs> fuck <laughs> yeah Yaskier Yaskier's it we're in we're in we're in shit we're out we're in fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good so um, good yeah I I liked that guy that guy was a was a good dude yeah it's a dude. it's a largely monster of the week episode where there's really not much story progression right well it was if a girl story right you know, yeah which is fun i'm happy story. to watch it it's very um, entertaining there it was largely monster of the week but not completely because they do a good balance of actually showing character development and all mm. that. whereas like something we were talking about in the mandalorian where they were doing that in those three um or four episodes no three episodes right of of the serious can uh character development stuff where Four and six in that one I thought were really good in the character development stuff. Five didn't really add anything to the equation. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with all of the Geralt stories added something, even if it was a little bit small, you know, it added something, it progressed something for him. Or And Yennefer had a lot of, you know, serialized storytelling, even though there's wild jumps in her timelines. And series timeline is really only a couple of days, maybe right. weeks um, total. And... Honestly, they sideline her for a lot of the show, and it's probably for the best because hers was distinctly the least interesting for the most part of the three storylines. Yennefer's, with you know, Geralt's was the the story of the world and and the guy who is the titular character, right? Um, who ties the three of them together, and whereas Yennefer's storyline shapes the events of the entire continent for hundreds of years. Her mm-hmm. her story is the story of where everything and everyone are going in right. this you know where the manipulations the subtle manipulations in the the game of intrigue at the top you know affects the outcome of nations the lives of thousands um yeah. so there's an interesting balance they strike between the three of them um and i think they were smart to focus on the two adults and their storylines because they're yeah, more impactful absolutely. on all of the events of the show but that one was a a really fun episode there was some really cool Scenes, some really great fight sequences at the end, some uh, some great scares and some fake outs. And yep. when they're sitting around the fire and he says, what about gold dragons? He goes, gold dragons don't exist. And he goes, eh. And I'm like, 
So he's the gold dragon. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know how, but that dude's the gold dragon, isn't he? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> There's just something in the way he delivered it and the look he gives him, like, I don't that, that, know. That, 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 that's not just a, I've seen one or even an I have one. That's a, I am the gold dragon. <laughs> look. Um, so, but, although I will be honest, I question it for a moment when the three of them fell. Yeah, to sure. their deaths sure. that weren't actually deaths. I, I <laughs> You're like, oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, what? fair enough. <laughs> um, but I thought that was a a really cool reveal about the nature of Geralt and Yennefer's relationship. When you realize, oh, there's been the passage of years, but even though we haven't seen it on screen, they've met and left each other. And their their relationship has developed in a way that we haven't seen off screen. I wondered why. I mean, obviously there was some connection at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, although it could have just been the speed connection, right? You know, if, you know, people under dangerous circumstances, you know, come together, but it doesn't work out. Right. And but no, they've had these things where they keep meeting and leaving, and I kind of forgot about the importance of Geralt making his final wish. I just assumed that he wished. That the genie would fuck off, right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just fuck off and leave us alone, and it fucks off and leaves them alone, and then they survive, and everyone's relatively happy. And But no, he... Oh, he made a real wish. And I think also that's the episode, too, where we find out that he does feel stuff. Yeah, or like against all odds, like, he, he can't really... He doesn't... He can't even recognize the feeling, but it's there. No, no, but it's either that one or the one after it. Someone mm. says to him, I thought witchers don't feel. Mm-hmm. And he says, people say all sorts of things to justify the way they treat other people. Yeah. And it's like, oh, fuck. This is like a thing that we've held as certain. Like, yeah. he feels nothing <laughs> other than like a desire for worldly pleasures, I suppose, because he sure. likes his drinks and his women. Oh, he's just really good at hiding his emotions, but they're there. They're fully there. Like, yeah. He isn't. Like a psychopath, not in like the, the ne- necessarily like negative. Like those gooseberries will get you. Yeah, like he's he feels just like the next person. He just has found a really good way of hiding them or pushing them down or just drinking them away. I guess. But mm-hmm. Everything that we think we know about witchers, other than the mutations and special powers, could probably be a lie. I guess. Right, which they they set up very early on when he with the. <laughs> With the devil's horn that minces his tender meat, they, uh, they like the just the assumptions of that of of those characters and basically of that race and and how they're wrong. They're just they're just stereotypes. They're not, yeah. and th- that's a a clue into where this is going about him, which I think is kind of cool. It's something we talked about last week, right? Where this idea of this the story being told to us in the mode of a of a mythic tale right Mm -hmm. a heroic tale where things are sensationalized Mm -hmm. and you as soon as you start to feel like you've got a grasp of what's going on you realize that everything even the thing that is given to you as exposition right not it doesn't rumor mongering you here in some tavern or something like that that's meant to be world building this is something that has been presented to you as like a rule from the beginning of it's one of the few things you feel like you could fall back on comfortably. Okay, like, mm-hmm. I know witchers, they don't feel anything. Like, that's, that's just part of their deal. And it's like, ooh, maybe that's not <laughs> Yep. My, my life is a lie. <laughs> 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 uh, but 
at the, at the uh, so what did you think about the like the climax of the of the show? Um, actually, I was a tad underwhelmed by the finale itself. Mm-hmm. I thought episode seven was cool because we get that bizarro world look at episode one from Geralt's perspective. Right. And you realize how maddening it is that he's literally in the castle the whole time. Yeah. Uh, also it's further, infuriating. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, guys, he's like 50 feet away. <laughs> Turn left. <laughs> you know, what's even more maddening to the point of almost being overly convoluted is she says, fine, Geralt of Rivia. It's like, just like, bitch, go down to the dungeons. He's right there. Right. <laughs> like, you, you know. We don't know this yet, but you know, like, right. even like, you see like the, 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 the kind of the filling in the cracks, right? Well, actually, hang on. I'll, I'll backtrack on that for a second. Cause doesn't, uh, doesn't Musak say that he's gone by that point? Yes. But what I'm saying is she was still holding out hope the second she came back from being stabbed. Mm-hmm. Masak, take her down to the dungeon. Geralt's down there. I'm going to die. Take, take her to Geralt. Yeah. They went like, no, they went, right. like six more hours. You're right. You're right. You're right. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> hey, um, bring Geralt back up from the dungeon. Tell him my deepest apologies. I've been stabbed. I'm on my deathbed. Tell him to come to my deathbed. <laughs> Tell him my bad. Yeah, my bad. Uh, in fact, bring Siri with you to as an offer of good faith to him. I'm not lying to you this time. Um, and you know, let's let's figure it out from there. Like, and even it's cool to see that scene from the first episode where we first are introduced to Siri. Just from the other side of the courtyard, he's like, yeah. he's right fucking there. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good. I liked that. Um, so I actually thought that episode was really good as it filled in all of our remaining blanks. Uh, plus, we get finally an idea of what this whole Nilfgaard thing is about as we see the Conclave of Mages uh, at Aratusa. We get to get a better sense for We've had a little snapshot of what the politics internally for them look like, and we get a bigger... It's not just a one verse one thing that there's many conflicting voices in this council and that they don't only have their own personal gain in the mix, right? There's a, there are some who, while it may align with their personal beliefs, really important things that they think that they can accomplish that they're fighting over, philosophical questions, questions of the, you know, the realm, right? As you would hear in like, you know... What's his name? Uh, Varys in Game of Thrones. You know, I think of the realm and, you know, what's going to do to everyone and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, oh, right. Some of these people have their priorities straight, even if they don't necessarily agree or align. They're trying to do good. Um, and we get a little taste of what Fringilla is all about and what yeah. here is all about. Yeah, it, it's it goes in an interesting direction. It's cool. It, it almost it starts to add a lot of depth at the end, where it makes me excited to see where like the next season will go. Yeah, this clearly these last two episodes did a really good job of tying off the major plot threads and, and opening another door. And opening another door to the next season. That's it's well done. Where it's and it wasn't a cliffhanger. You no. know what I mean? Like it, it ended discreetly in the way that it should and. You know, the only cliffhanger being what the fate of Yennefer was. Sure. I'm a little confused because it seemed pretty obvious that if you use fire magic, you die. Um, on the other hand, I'm a little confused why no one has ever really brought back the idea of using someone else's life force to do spells. Because wasn't that what they taught her on like her first day? At yeah, Artusa? Wasn't so that the whole point I, of giving I her the like flower? They'll, they'll be something there, I imagine. Yeah, I'm sure that is. 
you know, because yeah. I, I I can't imagine that Yennefer dies kind of off screenish, and we're left with like we're like it's not even like to say I was like well she gave herself for the greater good you know let us all mourn her heroic sacrifice it's where is she yeah but I was like throughout the whole course of that battle I was a little confused what and oh, I keep forgetting how to pronounce like the the dude who who ended up kind of him and Taseya were like coming up with this whole plan together. The dude who was like, some people question why he was like leading battles instead of like being a mage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I keep forgetting his fucking name because it's weird. Um, and it's going to piss me off until I find it out. But um, I was confused when he killed that other mage. And Yennefer said, are you with us? And he doesn't really respond. Yeah. I wasn't I- 100% sure if he was... Because at first I was like, is he... What I thought was going to happen in that moment was... he Remember, he used up all of his energy, right? And he couldn't cast spells to create new swords for himself, which also super inefficient usage of magic, right? Right. Pick up your, pick up your sword off the fucking ground. Stop <laughs> making new swords. I was really confused by that. Um, but uh, Vil, Vilforts? Vilforts? Vilforts, yeah. Um, and I thought... At that moment, the dude was on the brink of death. I thought he was going to, like, absorb his energy. Right. To give him a second win. And then he just bashes his fucking brains in. And I was like, is he turning bad? Right. Yeah. I feel like a lot of that stuff was just unclear. Probably. And then I was wondering. Yeah. Then I was wondering, was he just putting him out of his misery? Because the dude was clearly about to die. Like, there was no saving him. Yeah. Um... So I'm not really entirely sure what's going on there. I'm not 100% sure how many of the mages survived. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Taseya survived. Yennefer is probably still alive. Yeah. Um, Force is still alive. And there was maybe... Was Sabrina still alive, too? Mm. I think she was the, the blonde one who had those magical earworms who tried to kill Yennefer. And then... Yeah. She, remember, she says to Taseya before she starts firing everything... Um, Sabrina needs you, so I'm assuming she's still alive. Yeah, maybe. And yeah, it seems I obviously we'll 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 be able to wrap that up in like a recap before we get into the episode that starts to mop up what happened in that battle. Sure, and and, and it's interesting too because clearly the bulk of their forces were killed. I'm guessing they probably didn't kill all fifty thousand men, although they killed a fucking lot of them. Yeah. Um, but it seemed pretty clear that Kahir and Frangilla are still alive, which makes for an interesting maybe we'll get some actual depth to them as characters some real backstory on them as to what and why hopefully we'll find out what the white flame is who the uh, white flame is um a greater purpose for what it is just telling me that they have this prophecy isn't enough i need more mm-hmm. um and I, I don't we didn't need it all in the first season I, i'm actually glad because I, I was getting a little worried as that episode was unfolding i was like are they just gonna wrap this whole thing up here because that's kind of weird <laughs> rushed yeah, <laughs> like no. Instead, instead, it's like it's enough to to move the story, have some sort of end, but really just open the door for a lot of questions and places to go. Which I, I I'm curious. I mean, like, there's obviously a lot of source material to work from, so there's it's probably set up in a nice way for. I imagine it's set up in a nice way for fans that like know the information already, or at least how it goes down in other formats. So yeah. I'm looking forward to a second I season. I was I wasn't 100 percent sure because from what I gather, this isn't based on one any one of the books or stories. That I think it's actually supposed to take place between a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And from what I was I was reading something earlier today about apparently because I guess like the Battle of Sodden Hill is mentioned in like the next book, mm-hmm. but like it's not like it doesn't like cover the events of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Also, the Wild Hunt is mentioned at some point, and that's like the na- that's the third game. So I don't know like how like these. But I think that's supposed to be like other. I think that's supposed to be way down the line. Yeah, it's a future thing that'll be happening. Was it mentioned? I didn't hear that. Yeah, actually. it's mentioned. I think in like the first or second episode. Oh. Okay. I think Stragobor might say it. I'm not. I'm not sure. I definitely know that somebody says it. It's funny because I went back and rewatched the first episode with my mom because she was interested in the show, and I we had already talked that I picked up pretty clearly on what the timeline thing was all about in the third episode. Mm-hmm. But it's actually right there in the first episode. If I knew all the names, sure. There's a scene where Renfrey is talking, or they they she Siri and. Queen Calanthe are talking, and she says, you know, you won your first battle when you were 15 years old. And there's a scene with Renfrey and Geralt talking where she says, the world is changing. Not a month ago, the young Queen Calanthe just won her first right. battle. Right, yeah. Like, oh, fuck! Uh... <laughs> um, I did think it was a little curious that they basically sidelined Geralt for the whole episode. That was a little strange. I, I agree with you on that. I guess it's, I mean, the battle was more important than what was going on with him. He basically had reached the end of his journey for the season. Um, it's just a little weird. Yeah. Like, I would have wished he was a little bit more of an active participant in finding Siri. I just love the character. That's why I want more of him. Especially, like, I, it's a weird thing. It's like, I don't, don't get too Walking Dead and do, like, these side stories. I, it's okay. It was just one so far. But it was the finale of the season, so it was a little weird. What side story? Like, don't, like, no, like, don't, like, basically don't sideline your main character. Like, the oh. I, and don't pretend that he's not, like, I end up like, it's not just about The Witcher. Like, it's this whole, I, I get it, but the show is called The Witcher. It's like, it, he's, he is the title. Like, it's, it's a, he's the lead. Like, yeah. sidelining him for the season finale is a weird choice. Well, and especially when you consider, like, had he just been on the other side of the world, it wouldn't have been weird. Yeah, but he was like there. Yeah, in the battle, but he's literally like a mile asleep on a cart. Yeah, like (laughs) Like you would have thought he would have gotten his hands dirty to help them. You know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like in his in his quest to find Siri, like oh, it's not gonna matter if I find her if we don't stop the Nilfgaardians, right? You know. Mm -hmm. At, at um, the at the end of the day, the I feel like the show is is very entertaining. I I think it's a solid seven. Yeah, that's I think that's perfect. Like I really. Liked it, but I didn't love it. This isn't one of those, like... Like, when they say, oh, the next season will start on whatever date, I'll be like, nice, I'm going to be looking forward to that. It's not going to be like... This isn't going to be something that I write an anticipation article about. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm genuinely excited to see the next season. But I'm not going to be... You're not going to catch me six months from now, like, oh, fuck, I need The Witcher back, you know? No, it's just it's just a good watch. It came at the right time. Like, when I was on my... Like, in the in-between holiday of, like... Uh, you know, got some work, but also it's like kind of slow. And like, it, like at night, I was putting the Witcher on, and like all of a sudden, I'm like halfway through the season. I was like, I'm, I'm really enjoying my time with this show, knowing full well, like this isn't the best show. You could watch it a little bit passively at times, but it's like, it's just, it's just entertaining. It settled in as basically like a season five, six ish of Game of Thrones, where it's like, it's good and it's fun, and like I'm in, but it like. It's not like it's incredibly yeah. well written or incredibly well acted, but like it's good. It's competent yeah. at everything. You know, it's 
it's like Game of Thrones just starting to decline from its peak type mm-hmm. of thing. And it's different enough where it doesn't feel too samey with with other things like a Game of Thrones or like sure, yeah, which I which I appreciate. Yeah, but I I I really liked it. I, sure. Against my better judgment, I was af- I was afraid that I was going to have zero. Like I really had no interest in it yep. earlier on when it was announced. Yeah, until I sent um, you that gif. Well, now I have to know what's going on. Yeah, that was it. That was what Does sealed it the deal. Going to your Witcher. <laughs> um, but I, I also do think that uh, to a certain extent, for that final episode, they were probably trying to make up a little bit for the fact that the first episode had zero seconds of Yennefer in it mm-hmm. by giving her the main stage, yeah, you know, sidelining the other two for the the majority of the finale. And frankly speaking, what she was doing was the most important of the three of them. So yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well. The Witcher. It's a seven-ish. You heard it here. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back next week.